Fucking Vandeslice. I'm doing good. I feel good. I feel nice. I feel, <laughs> I feel clean. I feel, I, feel, I feel good and nice. I feel clean. I feel I feel uh, ready ready for the shower. Unironically, feel very clean. Just like brushed and flossed <laughs> my teeth. Had a shower earlier today. Just uh, feeling so fresh. Yeah, just excellent. Very well groomed. I shaved. So <laughs> I'm I'm feeling quite hygienic. I, um, I'm pretty fucking turnt, if I'm being honest. I have been <laughs> drinking whiskey for the last two and a half hours, uh, straight. It's a 101 proof. It's very fun. Um, and I have been smoking a couple bowls. So if there's any goddamn time to jump into some spooky spaghetti, uh, now is the time. And you and you said you're under a bit of an influence tonight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sober. Letting we- those spooky spirits take a hold of your soul. <laughs> it's fu- this it, holiday it's season. It's good. It's I'm I'm slightly off balance, but that's all. You know? <laughs> I'm still standing. So we're all. I'm reading with my head <laughs> at a tilt. I I am I am sort of Naruto running through the text. I'll be okay. <laughs> Oh, well, it's okay. I'm going to start. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) We're here. This is Lots of Pasta. I'm here with my guest, Ramses Vanderslice. This is the part two of The Showers. And The Showers, man, can I just say I've thought a lot about this. Okay. Tell me your your thoughts. Give me me, Since we read the last one. Yeah. Since we read the last one, I've had a lot of thoughts. You got some bullet all points. Of them, Is this... All of them deal around the idea of that I would absolutely not go into a hole in the ground for like any fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, no, never. Literally, I, I walked outside. So I have a dog. <laughs> I walked outside and I saw my dog was trying to like it was like staring at a hole. We have several holes in the yard. We have families of groundhogs. People in the neighborhood like to trap them and like move them away and they always find their way back. They have like sonar. Right. Um, we used to have a, like a huge apple tree in my backyard and these groundhogs would just pop up and eat some apples and fuck off. I never really minded, but the apple tree went down this last season. So my dog thinks these gophers are going to come back at any time. Mm-hmm. And she cutely sits and stares at these holes. Mm. I tell myself if this hole was just like a bit wider to the point where, like, I can climb in, you know, like the way they described it in, in the last part, part two, mm-hmm. um, where it's like three, three foot by three foot and you're crawling. I'm telling myself, I love this goddamn dog. I've I've never loved an animal as much as I love this goddamn dog. Yeah. But if it crawled into that hole dead for and sure, disappeared from in. my sight, <laughs> I am going it, to say you're going to let it I'm go. sorry and walk in the opposite direction. <laughs> I understand. I get it. I like I've I have also read the Junji Ito story. I don't want to be Oh sucked. shit. I don't want to get sucked through the mountain, you know? 
So that's a no go for me. Plus, I've been in I've been in tight spaces in like uh, caves or like uh, crevices, you know, places yeah. where you, you you might not. You've be able to gone move. spelunking. Um, not not a, like a little tiny <laughs> bit. Um, and it's 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 scary, you know. Like if, if if I saw a hole, and it was like basically my size, I'm just not even gonna get close to it because I'm afraid that I'll just like never come out. Oh, I've I've always had a problem with, you know? um, I've always had a problem with the, uh, claustrophobia. Yeah, hell yeah! I got stuck in a. This is a, tr- a tremendously dumb thing for a human to do, but I got stuck as a child in the. Um, the storage compartment in a kayak, you know, that tiny little compartment behind the, oh, where, you, shit. Where, you, where you sit. Yeah. I was like, I was, um, young enough that I could do this, but old enough that I definitely should have known this was a, the stupidest fucking idea. I tried to crawl into it, both head, like hands and feet first. And then I got kind of like halfway in and then I got stuck with like my, like my butt and back just sticking out I was going to say that, that could be like a life ending childish decision <laughs> i mean they would have had to like get a circular saw and like cut the kayak open <laughs> probably which would have been tremendously embarrassing you know what wasn't tremendously embarrassing was getting stuck in the compartment of a kayak that was fine actually <laughs> uh it was <laughs> it's okay i'm glad you recovered and i'm oh, glad yeah. it traumatized I was, I was you <laughs> yeah no, exactly i learned a valuable lesson don't crawl into small spaces if you don't have to get children I... like in the rescuers Believe it or not, I drowned twice as a child. <laughs> and yet and yet I love swimming. <laughs> so I obviously didn't learn well, clearly, my lesson. Clearly you love swimming. You have to love swimming to drown the second time. If you drown once and you still <laughs> want to go swimming, that's how you know you love swimming. Uh, both times were from my clumsiness at being a young age and falling into a pond. Different mm. ponds. <laughs> <laughs> what does this keep happening? As my mother is trying to resuscitate me, absolutely. Oh, Jesus um, Christ! Well, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't drown. Well, I I what's funny about that is I actually have like a fascination with water now. Where like I I got certified in scuba diving. I have like uh, my open water. I'm allowed to go down like 80 feet, um, and I'm absolutely Master fascinated by it. I I I love the peacefulness of of being down there it's an, it's an alien experience you know it's it's another world um and usually if i'm high out of my mind it really does become an alien experience which is definitely like the last three dives i've been on um i would be good too, times i'm not yeah mm, mm, no i'm an experience driven uh stoner like if the show doesn't sure. tell you something i love to yeah, get yeah. stoned and do activities um, I, d- it's not all the time. I've definitely sat out some shit, but like I've done acid and gone on a roller coaster. Like I've, I've, uh, done shrooms and walked out into a middle of a dark forest. You know, like we, we all have those moments, I suppose. <laughs> we all have those moments. I've done ketamine and punched three police officers. <laughs> it's just the way that it goes, you know? Some Hilarious. Days, some days. Um... No, I get it. I just, anything technical, um, such as, like, operating equipment, is something that I just tend to avoid. I'm, I'm oh, okay, so what if, so what if I said, uh, I was, I was certified when I was 12, 
So the idea of scuba diving, like with my equipment, is no different than getting in a car and driving. And I'm very oh, yeah. good at driving when I'm stoned. I uh, I uh, I believe you. That's the only way that I I could possibly even think about doing it. Because otherwise, I would be like freaking out. I'd like just start twisting tiles. And that's that's actually <laughs> funny because because the last time I went diving, uh, me and my brother smoked the same stuff, the same amount, and I was able to dive and he was not. He said, honestly, I'm just going to sit this one out. Yeah. Chilling on a boat sounds nice too, you know. So who's the real who's the real winner and who's the real loser? The winner That's is true. anybody who's having fun, I guess. The the winner <laughs> is the friends we make along the way. Yeah. But it's so, not the water and it's not the showers. And it's not the showers bringing it back. Yeah. Um thinking more about the showers. Um what what is the ulterior motive here? What is the purpose of the showers? Are they... Are they being, like... Are you are you asking what the author, like, wants, like wants us to feel? Like, are you asking yeah. sort of, like, what, what is his intent with the showers? Or, like, what do we actually think is going on in the showers? Because Both. I... Okay. Like, they're two bit pretty different questions. And I, I, they, I no, they absolutely are, but I guess that is what I'm asking. Where, where have... did this come from, and what is its purpose? Like, I think he just wants us to feel, I think he just sort of combined a bunch of novel, like horror elements that are sort of established okay. and arranged them in a novel way. I don't know. Last like he, episode, I did compare them to the stairs in the woods from the search and rescue stories. So it can be very, very similar to that. Like, don't explain it. And it's almost scarier. Right. Which is leading me to my, the second part of my answer, which is like, what uh-huh. is actually happening in the fucking hole? I don't. I don't know. And I'm also just like not curious. Like it's not the question that's, that's not the point. My mind, that's know? not the point. What what are you asking yourself? I will be upset if they explain it actually. To be honest. I feel like at this point if they like try to do some weird What if down, they explain it and it's stupid? Right, exactly. Don't don't explain it. You don't need to explain it. He'll probably explain it though. So you'll um, still be sad if it's stupid cuz at that point I'd laugh. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't trust Jack, you know, unreliable author, this guy. Uh, <laughs> well, um, to, to catch up real quick, he did uh, live his entire life trying to get the respect of a drunk, middle-aged English teacher, um, <laughs> which closed the king. <laughs> right. The death of the death of that any man can respect, really. And um, which is which is with your liver failing in hospice, <laughs> yeah, surrounded not. by your questioning family members, dying um, blasted, surrounded by your family shaking their heads. <laughs> God damn it! Um, who, who could ask yeah, for more I'm sure he's going to bring up the teacher again. But the teacher told a story when he was in high school about going out into the middle of fucking Nebraska. And finding this tunnel that leads to a room with an ornate satanic, satanic door. And inside are a bunch of feral children um, wearing dirty clothes. But for the life of them, they're surrounded by showers. So why are they dirty? Um, Mm -hmm. Although heavily, heavily implied it's showering blood. Is it? Because they just said gooey liquid. Yeah, it's. I think it's blood because he keeps talking about like people being covered in blood, and they're like, "But they don't remember bleeding." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, it's because it's because it's the coming out of the shower. Blood. It's the only the oh, liquid." Oh, could they, they be they... vampire children? Could these be? Could these be feeding them? 
Okay, but then who's like, where's that blood coming from? Okay, the moment you start to try to explain the showers, I'm gonna immediately just start asking about the plumbing and the system that's feeding it. Who's getting all the blood? How is it being pumped? I don't understand. The pipes. I don't want, like, it's I, coming I either, from the pipes. That's all I, you gotta say. I either want him to like thoroughly explain it and have like really good answers to my plumbing questions, or I don't want him to start explaining. It. <laughs> Those are my two that's, options for. Jack, I think that's okay? I think that's fair, honestly. Um, you you took the words right out of my mouth at the beginning of of even like talking. You were like, I just want Karen to fucking die, <laughs> and and that is something that the English teacher uh, hinted at. Um, because I feel like Showers 1 is going to be Showers 2. We're literally going to read the same story on today's episode. Um, they went out there. It was like a group of four guys, and one of the guys got got. But the first time the teacher told the story, he like made it softer for the kids. And he took out the part where the kid got got, and he says they all got out of there. It mm-hmm. isn't until like five years later when this high school kid is in... Uh, college that he runs into the do- uh, the English teacher um, after the fact and asks him if that's what really happened and then we find out that the kid got got. So if that was how part one went I'm fully ready for part two to be an exact retelling with little to nothing to add. It is, this is just draft two, right? Like It's, he just- it's redux. It's yeah. simple redux. This guy said my most popular thing on Reddit that people respected me and liked me for was a shitty little story I wrote in the late 2000s uh, that doesn't answer any questions and is written okay. And it's about these showers. This is so then he cut. So then he goes... This is the expanded edition. This is when he does the George Lucas, I need to go back and add more unnecessary shit. I think, to be fair, I think 50% more lasers in every scene is never, is never a bad decision. Ewoks get eyelids. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. Do you have anything to add before we jump in? Um, no, I think that's a pretty pretty good recap, Jack. All right. uh, my you know, my seatbelt's on. Five years after uh, the first story, busts out his trusty laptop that he describes as though it's a fucking <laughs> my old uh, girl, like, like a steam like a dying power cow. machine, uh, is cranking out one last story uh, on the old hog of the storytelling machine, and uh, then it will die. And and, and for ahead. some reason, for some reason, he finds himself uh, with with a girl who wants to go to the showers, and he doesn't say no. The last time I was there, I almost died, and I I'm so scared, I never want to go back there. He says yes. He's also been getting an incredible, and you're going to have to, you're going to really have to take my word on this, an incredible amount of of vagina. Uh, Like he's just laid an an enormous amount of people. He has had the sex. By his own proclamation, I'm like, man, this guy is very focused on sex. It's very strange. As focused as he is a talented writer. (laughs) He's like, trust me, I've had sex with a lot of people. I could describe it if you want. And I believe we find ourselves in a tripod with a guy who's driving named Brian. Yeah, who's named Brian, but then his name was revoked. She just referred to him as, like, my friend again. Uh, <laughs> Brian lost all meaning and value, and that's I hope okay. he just, like, I hope he's just a different guy. I hope it's Well, you remember the funny thing about part one is that those, those friends were so close, they had that experience. And then he's like, and then we just kind of stopped talking. <laughs> As, yeah, as like, trauma do, we drifted apart. 
doesn't interrogate that at all. He's just like, yeah, and then we never hung out again. <laughs> Must have been a coincidence. Crazy. Part three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I will I will pick up from where I left off, which is uh, with uh, hot not-girlfriend uh, Karen, uh, who's misnamed because of the, the time the story was written, uh, not-friend random Brian, who is driving the car, and narrator is Jack... Um, I, I will read, uh, the narrator and I will read as Jack and you could read as everyone else. All right. And then when we switch off, we can switch. Absolutely. I woke up in another dimension. The view out of my windows was an icy tundra that hurt my eyes. I hadn't seen that much sun in months and the ice amplified it. Our friend Brian mm. was behind the wheel of my shitty 2005 Ford Escape as we flew down the interstate towards Broken Bow. Everyone called him the responsible one in our friend group because he... Hell yeah, Brian Baxter, <laughs> sorry. ...wouldn't get behind the wheel after drinking any booze at all. He's real dry like that. Hey, I love, I love how that's like, that's their bar for responsibility. He, he doesn't drunk drive. He doesn't drunk drive. What only Karen and I knew was that he would be as high as a kite while driving oh. us all home and telling us how he was the only one of us not destined for a DUI. But he hadn't been in an accident yet, so he didn't say a word. As I said earlier, I drive almost better when I'm stoned. Karen sat shotgun with a sonic cup in her lap. <laughs> Gotta go fast? So if fast. I knew her, which I did. What? <laughs> if I knew her, which I did, she had she poured had out poured three, out quarters, three of quarters, quarters of her drink and filled the rest of the cup with vodka. What, is she going to go do whippets in the parking Jesus lot? Jesus Christ. She noticed after a minute that I had woken up. Hey, bub, sleep well? She asked, turning around in her seat to face me. A vapor of vodka with a hint of cherry limeade flooded my nostrils and burned my eyes. Karen refused to travel long distances without what she affectionately called a roadie. She had adopted the term from her late father who had killed himself when she was 14. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just oh, so many morbid details. <laughs> <laughs> he had opened his wrists over the sink in the bathroom while Karen was doing homework in her upstairs bedroom and Karen's mom was doing an intern in her office at work. Her preoccupation with suicide at least came from somewhere logical. She had always idolized Randy, her dad, and hadn't spoken to her mother in her decade. She told me this story often, frequently reinforcing the idea that of her idiosyncrasies, i.e. habits, that related to Randy were exempt from criticism. <laughs> I made my only sensible move in this situation. Uh, did you get me one? Did you get me a one? <laughs> did you get me a one? I don't know, man. Who's saying... Oh, extra cup is for you, my dear. Half and half. She winked and handed me the styrofoam cup of cure-all. I needed it. My jaw was throbbing. I had always had a problem with grinding my teeth in my sleep. I was so bad growing up that my canines actually grew outward like vampire teeth. It hadn't been an issue in some time. I figured just the previous night of partying alongside the anxiety about the trip had just taken a toll. I took a sip of the drink and winced. 
it was about one quarter limeade to three quarters cheap vodka. Wait, didn't Burnett's... he already say that? Didn't he already talk about the ratio of vodka to limeade? And it was the he, same thing? She thought she said it was 50-50. He's surprised to find out it's more 75-25. Burnett's, I groaned. I guess it fits the scenery. Karen laughed. Nothing except the frost-covered remains of the last season's harvest and frozen dirt surrounded us for miles. I stared out over the miles of repetitious backdrop for a couple of hours. I've never read such a stupid fucking sentence in my life. I'll get me a one. I stared out over the miles of... Re I read that. Barren earth occasionally gave way to tufts of shorn trees that reached futilely... Towards the gray heavens above, seemingly ignored. Is that a... Is that a I think it's a word. I've never seen futile, futile, futilely. Futilely, yeah. Mm. They now resembled petrified roots that had aggressively snuffed out any hints of life that had once inhabited their numbers. Every now and then I was able to spot the rusting remnants of a vehicle or a crumbling shed hidden amongst the branches, surely soon to be overshaken by the vindictive woodland. The three of us passed the time by fiddling with a barely functioning tape to auxiliary cord converter, ooh, the 90s called, so that we can play music off of our phones. <laughs> Unfortunately, even when we had gotten that to work, it was still a crapshoot thanks to the spotty 4G connection on the planes. Oh, wow, that dates it. Karen and I chain-smoked camel so menthol specific? cigarettes. <laughs> Much to Brian's chagrin. He smoked, too, but would only touch the baby blue packs of American spirits, which were all natural, and burned for an eternity. Smoking anything else he believed was just asking for cancer. Oh, I, I hate him. I, drive... cannot, I cannot wait for Brian to get fucking schwacked. <laughs> He's going to get completely... All right, all right, all right. So Deadpool, you think Brian's getting schwacked? Okay, so I think Brian, 100%. Karen, like 70 percent it's a brian's a way sure see i think only one person's gonna die and i think it's going to be karen you think brian's making it out yeah brian, okay, i'm gonna make a normative statement brian should die <laughs> <laughs> of the three. Oh, he, the, he the drive was familiar and had me wandering <laughs> through foggy memories not like my not last earlier ethically <laughs> mind you i'm just saying like all of them exhibit like exhibiting <sighs> the way that they are He's the one that would be most likely to get killed. That's my two cents. And I will... That's my That's my vote. Can you make a vote before we continue? So I, I want to... Oh, You're saying I, Karen's dead? I still think Karen's dead. Okay, we're on. I was frustrated and getting a bit uncomfortable because of the haze, so I had a drink about it. My own head was keeping me in the dark. Brian and Karen, despite having heard the story of the showers ten times by this point, prodded me for new details once we had crossed the state line into, into Nebraska. I managed to dodge their inquisition by telling them how it was a violation of tradition to listen to a band while on the way to the concert. That's not true, I do that every time. This eased the pressure a bit, but my teeth were grinding and my jaw was aching. This place was bringing something out in me, leaving me anxious and reflexively defensive. Maybe it's because of wow. the trauma. I 
Reflexively defensive? I want to shake this kid. (laughs) (laughs) Brian had grown up in New Jersey, and despite the relative emptiness of the two-lane highway, he was driving like he was still there. I had no problem with sweeping across lanes without a signal, speeding, or rapidly jerking left and right to exit the interstate on any regular day. As uncomfortable as it might be to avoid the eye contact of an angry truck driver that Brian had just cut off, we always got to our destination significantly faster than the GPS estimated. However, today his highway practices were making me queasy. The honks from several angry passerby got to be too much, and I threw in my headphones and pulled my beanie over my eyes in an attempt at sensory deprivation, and I ended up drifting off after a bit. I had a dream that felt vaguely familiar, but I hadn't remembered my dreams in years, so I couldn't be sure. I was back at the bar I frequented during college, the same place where I had last met Mr. Mays almost a decade ago. The voices of the faceless patrons around the two of us were muted. I sat next to my deceased former teacher who was sporting a sweater that read, Dick the Birthday Boy. (laughs) Mr. Mays looked at me from a drink, eyes bloodshot from holding his booze and holding back tears. He didn't say anything, but I slowly recalled the conversation between the two of us from years ago, which rang through my head loud enough to fill the silence. I remembered his friend, the one they had lost. Mr. Mays looked away from me and into his drink, and he didn't look back up. I heard a noise like dripping water that echoed around the bar. Looking in front of me, I found a highball glass that was filled to the brim with what I guessed to be whiskey, and without a second thought, I threw it back. It it didn't sit well. I pursed my lips and sat it back on the table as the lights around the bar began to dim from the outside in. I rubbed my eyes and breathed deep to quell the nausea, but it wasn't working. The room continued to dim as the dripping noise rang out around me once again, I looked up at the glass before me to find it filled again, the liquid still rippling from a recent pour. Another drop from above, breaking the surface tension and spilling the drink all over the bar. I looked up to see a shower head hanging just beyond the light, dripping liquid. The sound of violently shaking pipes echoed around me, and the shower heads began to shake. It began to erupt just as I was pulling back to reality with a jolt. I panicked and thrashed about for a moment, my knee and arm cracked as I moved about, adjusting once again to the real world. Whoa, bubs. Easy now, said Karen with a chuckle. (laughs) We had parked at a rest stop. Brian must have pulled in too quickly and hit the curb, which is what had woken me up. I tasted cherry limeade crawling up the back of my throat and felt my stomach rumble. We're outside of Hastings. Don't know how far. Use the restroom now or forever hold your peas. <laughs> he, put, he puts the gun in his mouth and says, God damn it, Karen. Never again. I opened the car door and the icy wind pushed it against me, slamming my front, slamming my foot in the door. Annoyed, I pushed back and rushed across the lot to the surprisingly bustling rest area. I did my business and washed my hands, attempting to ignore the leaking shower heads in the stalls at the back of the room. I felt every drop in my chest. I hadn't had anxiety like this in ages. The nausea had come from the dream, and I gagged slightly at the sink. 
I closed my eyes and breathed deeply, pulling a flask from my jacket pocket and looking around to gauge the judgment I was about to receive. The truckers around me didn't take a second look, but a father who was changing his infant at the station near the door shot me a look. Maybe he didn't. I'm not sure why I cared. It wasn't going to stop me. One of the showers in the back turned on full blast, and I took a pull from the flask, and unlike my dream, my stomach relaxed, and the gagging ceased. I cleared my throat of whatever had built up prior to the nip of whiskey and spit it into the sink. It was a bright shade of red. I didn't panic, I just needed to eat at some point. Right. Blood spit. Let's get some Waffle House. I pushed back through the line of people that had gathered at the restroom door and jogged out to the car. Karen was sitting inside with the window cracked, holding a dying cigarette halfway out the window. When she saw me, she flicked it out and rolled the window up, gesturing for me to hurry up. I hopped inside and we were back on the interstate within seconds. Don't fall asleep on us again, bub. We are going to need you to steer us from here, I think. Just get us to Broken Bow, I said, staring out over some of the harvested fields that looked like they had been burnt. I'll guide us from there. I guess I did do tours. We continued down the interstate for a while uh, while Brian and Karen sung songs and I sat in the backseat working, trying to ground myself. We're going to need some gas if we're going to be hunting for this place in the boonies said Brian, breaking my concentration. Well, there are only about ten gas stations in the entire state, so exit where you can. I caught the tail end of a sign that read Broken Bow, but didn't catch the other information. Within minutes, Brian was exiting the highway and pulling into what appeared to be a gas station. It had the pumps out front and a small convenience store. It's not... It's a convenience store. No, it's a very convenient store. No, it's convenient where it is. But but behind it was a rickety single-story house. The design was Victorian, but it was faded and chipped to all hell. Some of the windows appeared to be busted in, the holes stuffed with assorted cloths and rags. I felt a sense of recognition as I stepped out of the car and began to pump gas. Karen was running inside to grab snacks as Brian shouted after her. Get me some sunflower seeds, he yelled, and she was already inside. Brian looked to me. Uh, Jack, sunflower seeds? Please and thanks, man. He closed the door behind him before I was able to tell him that I wasn't going inside. I grumbled as I walked into the old station. Brian was driving us, so I couldn't get too upset with him barking orders. I was just irritable and all over the place. The building had a familiar musty smell to it that, much to my surprise, started to help clear away some of the fog that had been bugging me. I was pretty sure I had been to this particular gas station before. I figured that was pretty likely considering where we were at and the aforementioned lack of stops in the area. It was a neat coincidence, and that's what I told myself. It's a neat coincidence that I am retreading plot point by plot point over the exact (laughs) same story that I did five years ago. What a neat coincidence that is. Shit. <laughs> Happy accidents that I am <laughs> stumbling, stumbling. Convenient store. Like literally the same the same places, the same people. Uh, 
Karen was up at the counter cheerily chatting with a young girl who couldn't have been much older than 18 about something or other. The girl was talking to Karen but staring daggers at me the entire time. She wasn't even subtle about it. I figured I looked nervous and sweaty so I didn't blame her for keeping an eye on me, but it still made me uncomfortable and I found myself grinding my teeth. I was attempting to work the pain out of my jaw muscles with my knuckle while aimlessly wandering the aisles when Karen asked the young lady at the counter point blank. What do you know about the showers? The woman didn't miss a beat. People don't deal with anything relating to that sort of business around here anymore, she said. My legs locked up and I turned my head towards her. She was staring directly at me despite Karen being directly in front of her. That was a long time ago. Her eyes remained locked on me, and I felt the pain in my jaw pulse, and my stomach lurched. This was not possible. Consciously and unconsciously, I was rejecting the overwhelming feeling of deja vu. Wait, what? <laughs> I was feeling deja vu. I raced for the small hallway in the back of the store. I held my stomach and refused to look up at the woman, but I could feel her gaze on me still as Karen pressed her unsuccessfully for more information. I managed to get through the door. Unconsciously. (laughs) You need to move past it. You need to move past it. I'm I'm, I'm losing it, man. I managed to get through the door and locked it behind me before falling to my knees and onto the toilet that sat only a few feet in front of me. I could feel my stomach clench tightly over and over again, but nothing was coming out. I was violently dry heaving and struggling to breathe. With the pressure behind my eyes and skull building, I forced a finger down my throat. I thought that I could just get whatever this was out of me. I would feel so much better. I was choking on my own finger and seeing stars, eyes on the verge of bursting before I gave up. I didn't need to pass out in a gas station bathroom. That sounded too close to rock bottom for comfort. I sat back, my body lightly glazed with sweat, and concentrated hard on a number of deep breaths in an effort to get my vision to stabilize. It was a half-assed version of a grounding technique for anxiety that I had picked up at some point. I could feel the pressure release as I wiped away the torrent of tears that had wet my face. My eyes finally focused on a green picture frame next to the mirror above the sink. The picture frame read, you can't choose them, you just gotta love them, and featured what appeared to be three generations of women laughing while posing outside of a large green farmhouse. Okay, I would like to just take one tiny moment. That is a good, I like that image. Good job, thank you, author. Genuinely. You can't choose them, you just gotta love them. Love that, that's excellent. The youngest of the three I recognized as the woman at the counter just outside. Next to her was what I guessed to be her mother. Next to the mother was someone familiar. It was a sweet old woman in a sundress, the same dress that she had been wearing when I ventured into this shop with my friend Steve many years ago. The three of us had a nice conversation about the town and our post-college trip until our motives for staying in Broken Bow were made clear. When she found out that we were in search of the showers, her demeanor changed and she had given us a stern and very measured answer. People don't deal with anything related to that sort of business around here anymore. That was all a long time ago. I got to my feet, my head spinning, and splashed some water on my face. I had burst a capillary in my right eye. It was blood red, dilated and raining tears. 
I looked like a mess, but didn't care. After spitting up a bit of red into the sink, I walked out into the hallway shooting one last glance at the picture just to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. It was still the same old woman. I was definitely losing my mind. So, okay, quick question. This may be giving the author too much credit. Are we supposed to believe that maybe he's doing drugs and omitting to tell us and he's doing a sort of unreliable narrator thing? Because, like, his, his description of, like, almost passing out, walking into a bathroom and coming out looking like he's just done a load of meth. That makes sense to me. That does make sense. He's yeah. spitting I don't, blood. I don't think that's I feel what like it's going to come to. Yeah, I know. I think the it's just The whole tortured like, author thing. I think it's just like possession. Because you had brought that up last episode. You said, why is why is every author a tortured author or something? Well, yeah, he wants to be. Lines. He wants to be like yeah. completely self-destructive. Yeah. But I also suspect that he's not. Maybe he is. I hope he's not. Um, Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised, is what I'll say. <laughs> um, sorry, I sorry. We can continue. <laughs> I quickly made my way towards the front door, knocking bags of sunflower seeds and sticks of jerky onto the floor like a dumbass. Karen was still talking with the girl at the counter, and the girl was no longer looking at me. Was she ever? If I didn't know Karen, I would have assumed that she was hitting on the girl, but that's just how she was. She had a way with people. You feeling okay? Karen looked me up and down with a concerned look on her face. And the girl at the counter stared at her. Did you get sick? I looked at Karen. The girl. Karen again. Out towards the car. Back at Karen. Must have eaten something <laughs> bad. I said, glancing up at the girl. Bad stomach. Medications. She looked at me and calmly nodded, understanding. Yes, the medications. <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, everyone's got that. She seemed to sense that something else was going on, but I didn't care. Thanks, have a good day, I said, bolting out the door. The bell above me rang. I could feel it in my jaw. Karen followed after giving the girl some sort of excuse for my behavior. You could feel the bell in his jaw? <laughs> Is it like some sort of advanced echolocation technique? Ow, my jaw! <laughs> Oh, this is how I know the bell's gonna ring. My jaw gets to hurting. <laughs> Church is always hard. <laughs> Just immensely painful. Dear God. Give me some haze, is Karen. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, it's hey. Okay. We're hey, both stunned. Hey, <laughs> so, listen. Hey. Listen. Hey. Karen caught up with me before I got in the car. What's up? <laughs> with you. I was doing I've, the, yeah, what's up with you? I'm just tired, I said, and she saw through that. I took a nip that went down the wrong pipe and got a little sick. It happens. I just wanted to avoid her judgy eyes. I gestured back towards the door. I mean, this is Jesus country, and I feel like she would try to walk me through a pamphlet or something. And Karen appeared to buy it, and we continued towards the car. I'm not looking to get saved anytime soon, I laughed. Lit-reddit atheist, yes. Who needs oh, Jesus yeah. when you have me as your guardian angel? Karen said with an exaggerated <laughs> smile and wink. I faked a gag. You're going to make me sick again, I said. She kissed me on the cheek and hopped into the passenger seat of the car. Brian had put on a Dandy Warhols album and was jamming by himself. I don't know the song, so... It's okay. <laughs> I'd like to thank you, my dear, in less than a year... He sang poorly. 
Are we good to go, team? Karen took control of the phone and switched the song. Bohemian Like You? That's a... Oh, Bohemian Like You blasted through the speakers. Let's bounce. Said Karen, putting her sunglasses on and lighting a cigarette as the gas station exploded behind her. I tried not to look back as we drove away from the burning, exploded gas station. <laughs> Give me a bit to post the next session. This is all getting out as soon as possible. Thank you so much for those last minute notes to end a fucking part of your story with. God damn it. Why? Well, he he didn't even make it a separate paragraph. No, he it literally, literally did You think you think you're about to get more exposition than you? Just I'm gonna get, close this a, out and it's done. <laughs> the end. Give me a bit. Give me a bit. Jesus Christ! I need to write it a fourth time. Ugh. Oh shit! Uh, we're hopping okay. into part four, or do you want to talk about part three? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Is I there anything need be said about what we no, just read? <laughs> Nothing. It's like he went to the place. He got the woman told him the exact same thing. He felt bad about it and he wobbled all over the place because that's what he does. He wobbles. He's um, a wibble wobble. <laughs> he fucking is, man. He just he just sort of screams incoherently, vomits, <laughs> and just sort of flails. That's true. He did do that last time. He he fell into the hole, heard something, and immediately vomited. What a defense mechanism. <laughs> and also like couldn't even yell was just like sort of like rasping because he yeah. somehow also lost his voice. He lost his voice fall. from falling. Yeah. <laughs> Landed on a straight. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. You know how yeah. that happened. I, sh I shouldn't have broken my fall with my neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I think there's not not a whole lot to say, honestly. That's that's fair. I think we're good to just roll right into part 4. Yeah, Brian's getting fucking axed <laughs> in the next like 10 pages. Oh shit. I hope so. You want to take spent, this part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to get, I had to get a drink of water. In my mouth. Oh, you're drinking. Okay, dry. okay, no problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got to get, you know, oof. lubricated, loose, moist. Got to get, uh, yeah, lubricated. Good. Uh, we spent another hour. We spent another hour and a half aimlessly driving around the outskirts of Broken Bow. I was giving directions to nowhere in particular, lost in thought about the girl from the gas station. It was entirely possible the whole thing was my imagination getting away from me. My mind was filling in gaps in my memory with the worst possible reality. Deep down, though, I knew it was the truth. I saw the little oasis on the horizon before Karen and Brian. My stomach went into freefall, and my vision became a tunnel. I must have steered us there without knowing it. That had to be it. Maybe you just had to get lost to find the place. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it, it <laughs> sought me out. It didn't really matter. I kept quiet, feeling lightheaded. If I said nothing, we could just drive right by it and let it fade from our lives forever. Brian turned the wheel towards the trees without a word of guidance from me. This was the first point where I realized how desperately I didn't want to return that, to that place. I was- And yet I am here. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? He realized how desperately he didn't want to return. Literally, he's been pastored for like weeks and weeks. <laughs> for, and he for keeps days. saying, and he keeps saying, no, I, de I do not want to go there. He has been protesting for what it appears to be months. But he's only now realized that he was telling the I truth. I don't want to be time. here. <laughs> Mom, come pick me up. What a revelation this character has had, that the thing he's always believed, he still believes. <laughs> I was sweating through layers of clothing and trying to keep my composure. Maybe we can uh, call it a night and try again some other time, I managed to say, 
The words fell out of my mouth, slurred and robotic sounding. Which one is it? Slurred and robotic? God damn it. <laughs> Those are different words. <laughs> Fucking drunk robot. Um, it was the best I could do. I'm going to try that ominous looking patch of trees over there. <laughs> but then I'm down like for whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> You're just giving him the Steve voice. <laughs> You're just making him Steve. <laughs> I'm gonna try that <laughs> ominous looking patch trees over there, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, said Brian. Hi, Todd. <laughs> Shaw, bro. Shaw, I, I fixed in. <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> I fixed in on the tree line as we slowly worked our way across the undisturbed field. I could feel the pull of the farmhouse in the tunnels, their weight dragging us towards them. The trees appeared to shimmer in the setting sun's light. The branches extended outward, as if they were reaching for the car, beckoning, beckoning us. Shit, Shit bub. bub. This is pretty awful looking. Ringing any bells? <laughs> That's the place. <laughs> the words went through my mind and out of my mouth in less than a second. Good job. He's doing it. He's getting the language Talking. <laughs> I hardly even tried to stop them. Karen and Brian celebrated. I chewed at my fingernails. I'd told myself countless times that I would never again step foot near broken bone. But here I was. I'd be lying if I said I'd never imagined it, though. Returning to the scene of my personal horror show to somehow get some answers or cast a light on what exactly the showers were. I spent a long time forming my own personal theories about the place, but eventually the effort seemed pointless. The truth behind them didn't matter in the end anyway. Yes, thank I'm, you. I'm glad. author, great. <laughs> well, I'm dying over here. I took too, too fat of a rip. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I'm glad he's telling me that we won't get to know. Um, mm. You could have just not told me. I would have been okay with that, we but can, it's all right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, you knew this author was going to say it or not say it at some point. I'm glad what he's is, just coming. What is subtext? <laughs> I, I don't know. Never heard of it. <clears throat> what is um, text? What? <laughs> Super text? No, it's all it's all nonsense. I just scream into my computer and then post whatever comes out. Um, <laughs> a part of them existed only within the confines of my story. What I posted on the internet and chose to show to the world. They could be anything to anyone with just that account, from a meeting place for a violent ritualistic cult to a site for experiments performed by the KKK or deeply rooted Nazis post world post World War II. I'm not dense. I know that the real fear lies in the unknown. Horror was my bread and butter. I believe that that was why the story connected with some people and left others disappointed. So right now, he literally just stopped telling the <laughs> story and just started talking <laughs> yeah, about telling yeah. the story. He's yeah, like, I, I can I'm, tell you. I could tell you. I could go on. I could. This is a foot. This is a footnote, realistically. If he was like a savvy writer, he would have added a footnote and put this, and it would have been like kind of cool and self-referential. Po um, possibly, or or just or just cringy as fuck. Oh yeah, no, no, no. But he like he has to know it's cringe, and then it becomes okay, right? That's what uh, that's the whole thing about cringe, right? That takes once acceptance, you, though. Yeah, once you have once you know it's cringe, it becomes uncringe usually. Mm. Um, that is fair. But he just, yeah, he just like veers off track and he's like, and another thing, yes, I know I spelled the words badly and yes, okay, I know, but that's why it works, okay? You just didn't get the first story. <laughs> you just didn't understand. And you okay. clearly don't understand this one. Let me, let me back up a little bit. I'm not dense. I know that the real fear lies in the unknown. Horror was my bread and butter. I believed that that was why the story connected with some people and left others 
disappointed. The showers in my story are filled with mostly with whatever you bring to them, you know? For me, the showers were more complex. They existed outside of rational thought and comprehension because my experience with them robbed me of those attributes in part. And as we slowly rolled through the brush, tree branches reached out and scraped. To, oh my God, it goes right back into exposition. There's not even a paragraph break. Uh, uh, right. nope, I want you to know that he goes straight from what should be a note directly into sentences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sorry. This is this is this is incredible to me. Um, as we rolled through the brush, tree branches reached out and scraped against the car's exterior, forging new grooves and playing the metal like a warped record. The sharp yep. grinding noises yep. split my. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the sharp grinding noises split my already aching head in two. I put in my earbuds to mute the noise. No music. I think Brian apologized about the car while Karen looked at the surroundings like a kid who just stepped foot into an amusement park. That place meant something to me that I hadn't considered prior to that moment and still hadn't pieced together in its entirety. I just knew that as we were beginning to near the clearing, I felt that I had never had a choice in making this trip. I was always going to end up back there one way or another. Every time I told my story, Mr. May's story, I dug the hole a little deeper. Every drink I forgot, every drink I took to forget them, every girl I slept with to distract from them, every faked fact I made up to distance myself from the real story just further solidified the fact that one day I would return. I actually like that. I was free to leave, go home, and have all the booze and non-committal sex my body could handle. I could do these things because the showers are patient. They have time. All of my actions were simply futile attempts at prolonging the inevitable. I know how it sounds, but I'm looking back on it now and telling you the simple truth. I was always going to return to the showers because they were waiting for me. I kind of like that. Yes, yeah, he, he, he has a he, fun way of describing like a magnetism, uh, uh, a fascination. Like you could look at something horrifying and and just say to yourself like, fascinating. Yeah, and I, and generally, I think I've always been taken by the idea that sort of like materialistic determin determinism. If we're all just sort of like atoms smashing into each other, it means right. there, might, there might not be free will. And that's kind of horrifying to think about when you think about things that are accidents or like really tragic uh, coincidences. And you're like, mm -hmm. well, it, it had to happen. Like it was, it was going to happen, you know? They were on the paths that were destined to collide uh, in a really bad way. Some Donnie then, Darko that, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sucks to think about. So like it's, that's genuinely, I think, a, a, a good source of, of like angst for horror writers to mine. Oh, absolutely. Um, this is the only time he has done it. Maybe, maybe this is where it turns. You know, maybe this it, paragraph. If is it where became, the story... if it became relatively self-aware, I guess I would enjoy it more. But we'll see. I don't. I'm not holding out hope. But I did like that paragraph as well. That was nice. Genuine, uh, that, that was nice. That was a nice change of pace. I, I think the admittance of something that uh, feels. Um, almost like just just like reflective and genuine of the character like mm -hmm. i know you've been saying it this entire time you've been you've been screaming at the story saying why are you in this car why are you going back to this place and i am telling you that because i know it exists i'm always going to be drawn to it you yeah. know there there is something in me 
that calls to it and it calls back like the void you know it's just it's it's it's, my fascination not to not to veer too far away from just like having a fun laugh but it it, like mirrors addiction a lot right in that like it's this sort of oh also very fun primal draw towards like self-destruction or whatever or like you know you know self-destructive nature of man but also the self-destructive nature of a man who's high as shit and the character is just incredibly self-destructive it's the kind of his only defining character trait is that he shuts down in uh, stressful situations and he also just like wants to die and drinks a lot yeah (laughs) there's like no there's no how many other avenues are we going to travel um but the thing is it feels kind of like an accident like i feel like he he could draw that parallel between just sort of like the the determinism and the like the the fate uh fatalism of his life Mm -hmm. but he doesn't he's not he's not that good enough author to tie those things together that that was a that was a fun little reflective moment but that's not how this story is going to continue to go no brian's going to get fucking chopped in half it's going to be great (laughs) brian stopped the car just short of clearing of the clearing in front of a tree. No, and tree. Fuck me. Brian stopped the car just short of the clearing in front of and tree that had fallen in the path before us. I could probably get us over this, but I've already scratched the shit out of your car. And this might do a number on her undercarriage. He said. We can walk. Karen said, pulling on her coat. You guys can walk. I have some smoking to do. We came all this way and you're not even going to look around with us. Karen Karen wasn't wasn't happy happy. and Brian... Oh, fuck me. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Karen wasn't happy. Brian didn't seem to care. It's the journey, not the destiny... Okay, it's Brian. (laughs) It's the journey, not the destination, Karen. He said, mugging. Besides... Somebody has to keep the car warm. Neither of them moved for a few silent seconds. Brian grabbed his Ziploc wrapper. Brian, his Ziploc wrapped grinder from the center console. That another word. Karen had been more upset with him about about less before. Yes, that's that's my fault, listener. Karen had been more upset with him about less before. He knew it would pass. Make good decisions. He laughed, turning up the music and turning on the headlights. This is why Brian doesn't die. He understands his role as the driver in this story. That was the joke in the beginning. We need this guy to drive us, and he has zero shit to do with the showers. That's how Brian survives. Similar to how our main character, Jack's only defining character trait is, like, the need for self-extinction, Brian's <laughs> only definable character trait is being high and driving. I am the driver. I drive the cars, he says. This story. He applies for his job on his resume. It's, like, the cover letter. It says his name, resume. On next page, I drive the car. I drive the car. All, like, asterisk, asterisk at the bottom. You high it. Handshake. <laughs> like, Done. Oh, excellent, excellent. I love this. Um, Karen exited the car without another word. I gathered myself and followed, shooting an annoyed but understanding look to Brian as I went. Karen was already up the path in front of me. I was staving off a panic attack, but I ran forward to keep up. So, what do you think? I asked, trying to get her talking and not dwelling on Brian. She looked up and around, pulling a small bottle of vodka from her jacket. We're not even on the ride yet. 
She grinned half-heartedly. She took a long pull from the bottle. The setting sun caught the plastic just right. An array of, my, array of light momentarily blinded me. My head was still throbbing. She put the bottle down and I was able to see the clearing beyond her. There it was, or rather, wasn't. The massive farmhouse that had once occupied the clearing was nowhere to be found. There was nothing there but the same untouched dirt that had made up the fields around us. Karen took notice as we stepped out of the trees. Seems a bit empty, she said, disappointed. Are you sure this is the place? I was sure. My brain was still trying to tackle the absent structure. I, uh, yeah, definitely, I stuttered. It's just, this is what happened to me last time. I walked the perimeter of the clearing, sipping from my flask. My eyes were drawn to the empty space where I was certain that a massive farmhouse had once stood. It shouldn't have been strange. It, it shouldn't have been strange, in hindsight. Old buildings get torn down all the time. No, that is strange. Uh, like, time out. That's, that's strange. If someone not only tears down, but entirely clears a house that's just, like, in the middle of the woods, that's odd. That's intentional. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't have been strange in hindsight. Old buildings get torn down all the time. But who had done it? When? Did it mean, uh, did it, mean it wasn't abandoned when I'd been there before? I couldn't wrap my mind around the situation. At the very least, there should have been some remnants of the farmhouse or evidence that the tunnels had been filled. There should have been a path in the trees carved out for the equipment. They, they, they would have undoubtedly, undoubtedly needed to clear the structure out, but everything looked undisturbed. It looked too clean. But this was the place. I was sure of that. I could feel it. The glow of the frosted ground was just a front. It was putting on a nice face to hide itself from me. I took another sip. There were no bugs, no rodents, no birds, no deer, not so much as a spider across the tree line. It was winter, but surely there should have been something living in that place. What? Why? There were no tracks or scat. Because it's the middle undis- of nowhere. Well, like, trees. You should be able to hear something. Trees. There are no tracks or scat. Just Shit. undisturbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just undisturbed land. It would have been picturesque if it wasn't so oppressively ominous. I felt like I was losing my mind. So where's the giant X? Asked Karen. Not here, I guess. I responded with a fake sigh of disappointment. I wanted to get out of there before it could reveal itself. I felt like the pressure in the clearing was building, like I was standing in front of a giant jack-in-the-box. I don't know. It's uh, been over a decade. Come on, there, there has to be something here. If the place was as big as you said, there has to be something left around. Said Karen. You would think... Uh, I'm not sure how big it, it actually was, thinking back on it, I said. Kind of like when you go back to your old elementary school after years and you, know, you can touch the ceiling. I was working my way towards the car at this point, directly across the clearing. Karen circled me broadly, running around and kicking the ground with her eyes peeled wide. The tunnels, though, she said. The cellar door. It's a big space, I shrugged my shoulders. Trees could have overtaken it, they could have been filled... They weren't the most stable things in the first place. Karen noticed she, where she was... Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's Karen? No, no. Karen noticed where I was headed. What are you doing, bub? Can I go get warm? I told her. If it's gone, it's gone. It's probably for the best anyway. Oh, come on. We've come all this way. We aren't leaving after ten minutes. She pleaded. 
It was a nice little road trip, but I I'm tired and it's getting dark, babe. I put my hands in my coat and continued toward the car where Brian sat. He was ripping a bong in the back seat. Hell yeah, brother. Well, that's oh. some bullshit. She said from behind me. I turned around to face her. She was powering through the vodka she'd only just opened minutes ago. With a flourish, she finished the bottle and whipped it over my head into the trees. I didn't hear it hit. The growing pain in my gut flared. It was surely just something to do with stress, but you can't breathe your way through an ulcer. I fell down to a knee. The ice on the ground had thinned beneath me. It was just frost and hardened earth. My chest tightened. I just think we should go. I think I need to go to urgent care, I told her. Fucking convenient, she said. You're not getting your way, and so you suddenly pull the trump card. Okay, Jack, I'll take you to an urgent care in the middle of Kansas. Nebraska, I said. She shot me and looked like a bullet. Her body language shifted dramatically. Oh, I'm sorry. She said sarcastically, moving towards me. It's just that your story changes so fucking often that I don't know what the truth is and what you're bullshitting. She picked up a rock and whipped it into the trees. It wasn't thrown at me, but it was close enough that I considered it. I didn't hear it land. My jaw popped. Can we, appreciate, <laughs> can we appreciate that Karen is like, we need to find the entrance, and Jack, like, collapses. It's like clutching at his chest. It's like, <laughs> we need to go to the hospital. And she's like, oh, typical. We need to go to the hospital. Like... <laughs> It's great. I, I, oh. I genuinely enjoy it. Ah, uh, really excellent. Let's go to the urgent care, Jack. They can give you some Ativan and tell you it's a panic attack again, but then we're coming right back here. She was flipping. When you're in a relationship with someone with rapid mood fluctuations, you learn the signs and how to respond calmly to, to help make them... and how to respond calmly to make the whole situation easier for everyone involved. I knew her inside and out. You're being a fucking dick, dude, I said. You also learn which bus buttons to push. The pain was getting to me. You also learn which bu buttons to push. The pain was getting to me. She stepped towards me with purpose. What in the fuck did you just... There was a dull and hollow thump beneath her boot. She froze. I froze. We both looked down to find a large set of wooden cellar doors that had been hidden by the dirt, debris, and ice. But at that moment, it seemed impossible that we had missed them. A malicious grin crawled across Karen's face as she looked up at me. Let's just go, Karen, I said. She cleared off the doors with her feet. Please. Please. Oh, yeah, no, that's you. Oh, yeah, no, no, please. Let's just go. What's down? She said, trailing off. We gotta go, please. What's down there? No. What's down there? She repeated again, her gaze jumping between me and the door. What's down there? Her voice was getting louder. Make something up, Hemingway. She was yelling. What do you call a writer that doesn't write, Jack? My gut felt like it was bursting. I was frustrated and kind of drunk, stuck in a fog and thinking about the girl at the gas station and how Brian was being rude and Karen was trying to hurt me. She was just baiting me at that point, and I bit hard. Oh, fuck you. You made me do this. I never wanted to come back here, and you made me come back, and now we're going to chastise me because it doesn't live up to your expectations? 
I felt unexpected tears <laughs> fall down my cheek. It's just a fucking story, Karen. A horror story. Horror as in afraid and story as in you weren't fucking there, so you don't fucking know. You don't know how you don't know what happened. I could have made it all up. I did. For you and every other girl I told it to. Oof. I felt angry. A bubble of fear was growing inside of me. I wouldn't you made me come here, and I would never make you go back to I stopped myself. I felt guilty. I'd drawn a line and I'd crossed it within only half of a slurred sentence. Karen's shoulders dropped and her gaze shifted to the dirt at her feet. She then walked forward, filling the gap between us in an instant. In one swift motion, she punched me in the face. I felt very little. Tell me what you're so fucking afraid of, you lying little cunt. She breathed through gritted teeth, staring a hole through my chest. I said nothing. It was my only course of action. Big bad hero in your stories, facing down anything that comes in your way. I'm standing right here, so tell me, what are you so afraid of that you'd blow us up to avoid it? I had nothing. I don't know. I uttered under my breath. I could feel myself begin to wobble and in any, any way. I... I, f I could feel myself begin to wobble anyway. It wasn't the booze. It felt like my body was confused, like my brain was playing catch-up and had left everything else on standby. It was the truth. I had no idea what was waiting for us in that tunnel. I couldn't muster a name or even a vague description because I couldn't remember. I'd spent so much time embellishing and lying about it to reach certain ends that I'd never really processed what had happened to me there? I, I, I never thought about how it changed my perception of myself, let alone my perception of reality. I never had to think about it. I, I just turned it into a story. Then I spread the story. I was, I was doing the same thing that Mr. Mays had done, just on a larger scale. Lie. I distanced myself enough from the reality of the situation because it was easier to swallow, and most importantly, it was under my control. But here I was now, being forced to face it again. I had no control. It's a dark, dirt fucking pit in the middle of fucking Nebraska, Jack. She taunted, taking a single step down into the darkness, swaying the whole time. I'm going in without you. Fuck it. Please don't! I begged, screaming. I was lost in the depths of a panic attack at that point, but I couldn't figure out what the exact reason why. It w but I couldn't figure out the exact reason why it was happening. Your girlfriend's going into the hole that you almost died in. What do you mean you can't figure out why you're freaking out? Yes, that's what the please it's, don't means. Yeah, it's like I knew the reality of what waited in the darkness, but wasn't able to articulate it clearly. What do you see, Jack? I remembered the voice and the fear, but not the answer. Karen took a couple of steps downward. Darkness swallowed her up to her hips. Don't, Don't wait, wait up. up. She smiled, mocking me and disappearing into the cellar. She let the heavy door fall above her. It landed with a muted thud and a puff of dust. The clearing around me fell silent. I could hear bits of the frost covered in ground crackling quietly around me as my body heat escaped. I stood up and looked at the car's headlights glowing bright in the distance. Brian was likely passed out in the back by this point, wrapped in his sleeping bag. I couldn't bring him with me anyway. I don't think I was allowed. Okay, so 
So what? quick, quick bet. I think I'm on point. I think Brian's good, unless he gets cajoled into joining uh, Jack and and going down to save her after she goes missing for too long. I don't I... know what's what way the story is gonna take, but we have we do have a bit left, so it couldn't go in a, it can go in a couple different directions. If at this point in time, I would switch my bet if I were a betting man. But I have I have dignity, and so I maintain that Brian will die in a gruesome way. <laughs> I no, there's a lot of there's a lot of story left. Yeah, there's a lot true. of story. Twenty, tw- left. 20 pages. So we, we twenty pages. We there's a lot of story left. Anything can happen. Don't wait up. She nope did that one already. I stared I at the, the cellar. I door. stared at this. I stared at the cellar door. I could hear no sound coming from below. There was no pressing need to go down there at all. If I waited quietly right there, I have no doubt that Karen would emerge, no worse for wear. She'd give me shit about being a coward. We could all sleep it off in the car and then drive towards our regular life again. Maybe this was close enough. I'd come back to the showers once again, despite my fears. Maybe now I could finally let it go. Karen had seen the birthplace of the story she obsessed over and I'd confronted whatever it was that I needed to confront there. Nothing more needed to be done, okay? After all, the farmhouse was gone. The land had frozen over, and it seemed like the place had been completely abandoned. It would never take anyone again. It would never hurt anyone again. All I had to do was stay right there on the ground and wait. Within seconds, I was staring into the beckoning darkness of the cellar. The moonlight hardly seemed to pierce the black veil as I made one hesitant step downward, followed by another, and then another, and this is how walking works. The door was heavier <laughs> than I remembered. But what did I know? My memory was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so just what you want from your storytellers. I inched my way down the icy ramp, watched my feet disappear beneath me, swallowed by the darkness. It took my legs next, but I was helping it along. Even through thick pants and the boots, the darkness felt like a great, de- a great deal colder than it should have. My legs felt like they had been thoroughly submerged in ice. I was in up to my knees when I felt a familiar shooting pain in my right leg, one that I hadn't felt in years. I knew it was psychosomatic because it had to be, but it ran up my leg so quickly that I grabbed onto it out of reflex alone. I'd shifted all of my weight onto my left leg, which had tried to root itself in a patch of thin ice. Of course it did. I tumbled downwards into the abyss. The heavy cellar door fell shut behind me with a crash. All traces of light from the outside had been snuffed out with that door. My man can't not fall into a hole. My man has seen every open hole in his entire life this man has fallen into. Fallen into. He is a he real chose life this time though. There's there's something about it. Alice <laughs> descends into wonderland. I can't wait for fucking like Mo from the Three Stooges to like lay down at the end of life and be like I couldn't have avoided it. All of those bonks, all of those eye pokes, <laughs> they were inevitable. They always had to happen because they happened. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry uh, <laughs> the fall seemed to last longer than it should have but maybe I was p- just panicked and unable to properly gauge the passage of time I landed hard on my shoulder which took most of the impact my head was the second place then my shoulder hit my neck whipped and my head bounced hard on the ground Oof. I think I lost consciousness but it was difficult to tell my waking environment was already silent pitch black and freezing cold so there was really little difference between conscious and unconscious that, at that point I don't know how long I lay there but I know I wanted to stay put it as I felt the pain shooting across my skull I rolled onto my back groaning loudly but unable to hear it well it sure as hell sounded like I was underwater I reached my bare hand into my pocket to grab my phone 
In hindsight, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I was doing, trying to walk down there without a light. I, I hadn't been thinking clearly. I, I removed the phone from my pocket, pressed the home button to find the web of broken glass covering a picture of Karen and I, my phone's wallpaper. It was a selfie that she'd taken to the two of us um, at what could have been any one of the numerous local breweries we frequented. Her eyes were closed. She was smirking while kissing me on the cheek. I was half smiling, my hair a greasy mess. My eyes were tinted red. It, I wasn't subtle. I didn't remember that night. The screen flashed a message about the corrupt SD card, followed by one about a low battery. <laughs> I'd done a, <laughs> I had done a number on it in the fall. <laughs> My phone let me know that it would no longer be of use to the story. Thank you, phone. <laughs> uh, I had done a number on it in the fall. I swiped my thumb across the screen to turn on the flashlight. I could feel tiny pieces of fractured glass grind against my thumb. Just get me through this and I'll buy you a new, nice screen, I whispered to my inanimate companion. I had to fill the silence with something. Still, my own voice sounded distant and muted. I opened my jaw wide to alleviate the pain in my head. It cracked four times in rapid succession, like bubble wrap, but the pain persisted. The light from my phone flickered to light, illuminating my surroundings. It wasn't as bright as I would have expected. Either my phone light was dying or those tunnels were eating the light, keeping it from showing me more than I wanted to see. But I could see enough. The little details came rushing back to me instantaneously. Gaps in my memory were filling so quickly that it made me dizzy. Were there really gaps, though? No, I mean, they'd just been pushed to the side, overlooked, covered up. My, my leg began to throb like it had when I had fallen through the year, or when I had fallen through the floor of the now demolished farmhouse so many years ago. I wondered if that hole was still there, holding onto the piece of denim that it stole from my jeans. I heard shuffling behind me, in front of me, all around me. Every step I took was slow and careful and deliberate, but still there was a brief delay, and another step directly followed my own. I told myself that it was the echo. That place had an echo, but it shouldn't have. Wait, what? It's a long tube. Yeah, it's gonna have an echo. It's a big it's a big hallway. I they're yeah. very they're very good at echoing. Okay. But it shouldn't have the but, it did. The fam but it did. Oh the mysterious echoey building. The familiar putrid stench burned my nostrils. It burned my eyes, and it made my now surely decaying stomach clench in an attempt to force me to vomit, much to my dismay. I just gagged violently. It lit up parts of my memory that I can't properly verbalize. Like the smell of home... Like the smell of home-cooked meal or your childhood home. Ugh. That's a... Sorry, that sentence really got me. It's missing some stuff. Uh, but instead of feeling yes. comfort... I, I, it really fucked with my head for a second. But instead of feeling comfort, I felt anger. I hadn't thought about that awful stench in years, but I couldn't grasp how I could have possibly forgotten. It had always been right there. How would I let it get away from me? And then I saw her. The child in the stained robe with the black hair. She was twitching in the distance. Just on the border, border of my peripheral vision, her skin was pale, and her hair ran like vines down to her knees. Her gown was just as tattered as the last time we had met. She was gone in a blink. I turned away. I'd seen... I had seen her since. She'd been in my nightmares, waiting for me. It, it was coming back to me now. I would wake up and I'd move on with my day afterwards, but how could I? I turned back. She was directly in front of me. I could feel her breath warm against my face. Could I? 
Her breath smelled like death. Did it? Her hair hung over my face. Only her eye was visible as it ref reflected the light of mine. No, there was no light. No girl. There couldn't be. It was pitch black. I felt for the wall and my hand brushed against cold sheet metal, the kind that might be used as roofing on a barn. It was rusted and brittle. I grounded myself. The smell remained. All of my lies, half-truths, and made-up details about that place were stripped away. There was no more hiding from it, no more deflecting the truth. I was back in the place I had sworn to never revisit, but was always heading back towards. I had to laugh. It probably sounded like I was losing it. Years of sleeping on couches and subletting rooms. I'd, I'd never gotten comfortable with any of them. But somehow, in this godforsaken place, I found at the very least some familiarity. It was like a fucked up home, because as much distance as, I, as I'd put between us, it had stuck with me. It was a part of me. That seemed about right. I was walking through a haunted house of my own making, and in my delirium, I began to wonder if that place had really been around before me. Had I called it into existence? Was Mr. Mays just a kook who inadvertently put me on a path towards manifesting this place of filth and evil? Was this a prison that I'd constructed for myself, like a tomb that I was always meant to die in? I reeled myself back in. It was like the dark and silent <laughs> void was calling out for me to fill it, so my mind was attempting to do just that by letting anything and everything fly forth. But there was too much space to fill. It, it wouldn't have been too easy to get. It would have been too easy to get lost there. That's how people lose their minds, isn't it? I told myself that I was going to get back on medication when I got out of there. I, I'd need some Xanax at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pop them Xannies, bro. At the very least. My heart went out. I heard the familiar cry of an animal in the distance, and it was coming from right in front of me. No, no, it was a voice. It was the animal again, a dying doe. It was wailing so loud. It was in pain. I was in pain, a wailing coming from within my head. The light flickered back to life for a moment. I took in the nothing that stood before me. I needed the light. When I lost it, I immediately began to lose myself. I was likely to spread out across the place in an instant and the light was the only thing to keep me there, confined, but safe. I was in the realm of the known. Anything outside of that was where the real horror lied. A flash of bright red appeared in my peripheral vision. Of course, how could I have forgotten about that? I turned to face the red door. How, just real quick, it's a it's a long haul, it only has one direction, right? Right. And there's a, the, like a twist, but there's a door at the end of it. Yeah. Why would the door ever be in his peripheral vision? Because he's walking towards it, right? I think he's been hugging the wall. And like staring straight forward? Like at the, ad the adjacent wall? Yeah. Huh. Okay, interesting. That's fair. That makes sense. I feel like uh, they implied it earlier on. He said like I grabbed, I put my back to the wall or something. But the idea that fair. he kept going down the hallway was like, it was like not really making sense about how it was he was actually walking down. Yeah, I was, it was I'm just curious. His actual just, traversal was not really mentioned anywhere I'm just, in, in the I'm darkness. just curious if, like, the maze is rearranging itself, if it's doing some, like, genuine, um, like, supernatural shit, or whether he is... No, they, of, they didn't really explain it before either, yeah, so... Yeah, okay. A flash of bright red appeared in my peripheral vision. Of course. How could I have forgotten about that? 
I turned to face the red door. It wouldn't have looked out of place on a model home in white suburbia. Yet here, was, here it was out of its element, just like me. The door faded, and my light died once again. It was for good this time. I calmly told myself, over and over again, that when deprived of sight or sound, the brain will hallucinate, populating the glaring gaps with whatever it can. None of this was real. I was a hole in the ground in the middle of Nebraska. I was in a hole in the ground in the <laughs> middle of Nebraska, and I was not going to lose my life there. I was wandering blindly through the darkness when I heard Mr. May's voice. It was not the joyful and calming one from the classroom, but the dejected, drunken voice from the bar. That's a bad place, Jack. I could smell the liquor on his breath, like he was sitting in front of me once again. Cops. Drunk. Taken by wildlife. I could hear him slurring his words. I punched the wall in front of me. I heard only the mu muffled thud while the brittle and rusted metal siding that covered the interior of the tunnel fractured. shaved off the It shaved the skin off my knuckles. I wish they'd have found the body, though. Then we could have shown them. I felt nothing but the warm blood running down my fingers. This place was taunting me. I'm pretty sure I screamed out. I couldn't tell. I just needed a drink to rein my thoughts back into control. My memories were populating the seemingly infinite empty space around me, and the only thing I wanted was for them to quiet down so I could hear myself think. I fell to my knees. This is what it wanted. This place, even though it, 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 couldn't, it couldn't want. No, I did this to myself. I wrote this ending for myself when I went chasing the infamous showers and posted about it on the internet. I built this extension of myself that was now eating me. I truly was just a hole in the ground. It, it truly was just a hole in the ground in motherfucking Nebraska that I used to dump my own fears into. Nothing more. I was going to end up like Mr. Mays. Karen was right. Which is a good thing, right? He had died the death of a hero. The room began to quiet, and I could <laughs> like feel it Like any man would respectfully like, want to go. <laughs> Fucking hell... Oh, sorry. Fucking hell on earth, if you ask me. It was him again. But this time, I was more acutely aware of the sadness, uncertainty, the fear in his voice. I closed my eyes. Not that it mattered much. I told myself the truth. Mr. Mays was just a tired old man. I couldn't tell if he was speaking out loud or if he wasn't. He had a horrific experience in his younger years, and because of it, he lost a friend. The situation was as simple as that. Maybe they found his friend's body, maybe they didn't. It didn't really matter. Mr. Mays just couldn't cope with the emotional trauma so grandoise, grand, and he drank himself stupid to shrink it down to a manageable size, something small enough to hide away and check in on on a really bad night every now and again. But it was still the driving force behind everything he did. I didn't realize that I was actually doing what I was actually doing at the time. But if you just replace his name with mine, it might make some sense. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, uh, I think it's very funny when, when writers are just like, I, there's a parallel. Did you notice? <laughs> Did you um, notice this? I've been writing a story. What a coincidence. There are. It, it, history doesn't repeat itself. So the great George Lucas said. Convenient. Um, I felt something creak from above me, and I felt the drop of something on my shoulder but my attention was quickly stolen by something else. Jack! The voice cut through the silence like a knife and I perked up. My heart 
was back to 200 beats per minute. My brain was on fire, so it took me a second to process what was happening. Karen is a person. <laughs> Karen is my girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry, it's a really... Karen is my girlfriend. Karen went into the tunnel. I went after Karen. We are both in the tunnel now. Karen just spoke. Karen, come closer. Come over. You were talking to yourself. She said. Her voice was soft, and she sounded concerned. You were talking to yourself like you were sleeping just now. I think this is also your line, despite the fact that there's a line break. Why wouldn't you bring me here? This was the venue in which I had finally had a real conversation with my girlfriend. A subground living nightmare in the pitch black as a disembodied voice. I don't know, I replied. She was audibly upset. After everything I've given up for you, you're still going to feed me that bullshit? I mean it. I don't know, I told her. I don't know what this place is or what happened to me here. I can't explain any of this. Can you? There was a beat. I was pleading with her, but she didn't know what my goal was. I was just letting everything out. So, so I don't know what this place is or, or, or what it did to me, except that I wasn't the same after it. I'm just fucked up and I don't know why, and I can't do anything about it, and I would never want you to put you through this, ever. I was afraid. I mean, look at this place. I gestured all around me. Neither of us saw it. I could have helped you, she said, quietly. I noticed the past tense, too. I could hear her voice either moving towards me or resting against the wall near her. How? We could have shared it. I heard the tears in her voice. I didn't know what to say. Well, we are now. <laughs> that's that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this this story has 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 grown more competently told by the page. It is still the same story. It is the same story, He's but making... they ain't just treading. This isn't Force Awakens, so I'm I'm proud. No, no, no. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's making strides. He still hits me every now and again. It's just a really excellently timed, A really terrible sentence. fucking sentence. Uh, but for the most part, there is uh, a symbolic, you know, narrative sense being made here. Yeah, he's pulling it together. Honestly, you know, if, I, if this guy was my student, I would give him an A-plus by the end of the course. This is much improved, you know? <laughs> oh, part five. P5. The walls were groaning around us, the noise concentrated above me. What is that? Asked Karen. Sounds like something's going to ex... Ice-cold water rained down onto me from above, instantly soaking me from head to toe. I gasped hard, taking in a deep breath and some of the liquid along with it, while my every muscle tensed up from the shock and the cold. I could taste rust, maybe iron. Before I could think about it for too long, my body acted without me. Coughing and sputtering to rid my lungs of the tainted water, I fell once again to my knees. I knew exactly what hung a couple feet above my head, despite the complete lack of light, but I didn't care. I wanted nothing more than to be out of that place, but I didn't move from underneath the shower head. I looked up and let the freezing rain pour directly onto my face. I let it swallow me. <clears throat> if some cold water was all that this place held for me, then I really did have nothing much to fear. 
I heard a loud and deep rumble that seemed to emanate from within the walls around me, and Karen screamed. I heard water pour onto the ground from my left, then my right, then in front of me, then behind. Still, I sat there while my hands pruned, feeling my breath turn to ice as it left my lungs. Despite the extremity of the situation, I began to feel a calm from within me and slowly spread my arms out at my sides. The showers rained down around me, a symphony of crystal-clear noise from the creaking pipes to the dull splatter of each droplet of liquid as it hit the ground fell over me. Every sound was clear and full now. The sound itself was so full that it almost eliminated the whole room, carving out every last nook. I took it all in. I accepted it. If this place wanted me, it could have me. I had made a pilgrimage to the place that birthed the subhuman thing that I had become over the last several years. If it wanted me back, I wasn't going to put up a fight. I could hear Karen screaming my name and telling me that we needed to get the fuck out of here, but the showers grew louder, drowning her out. This was more important. My body began to numb and my skin began to sting with every drop of water that hit it. A sense of instability, strangely like vertigo, began to overtake me. I opened my eyes, still seeing only darkness, but feeling something else. I was Mr. Mays, back in his classroom, my classroom, recounting the story of this place to my students. I was in the tunnels, carrying my friend Steve, the man who first ventured to this place with me years ago, away from an approaching darkness behind us. He was bleeding from a head wound. I was reaching upwards in bed, sweating, soaking my sheets and crying. I was at a bar, telling me my Mr. Mesa's story, struggling to find the right words while I ordered another. A dull, wet thud rang out a few feet to my left, snapping me back to my body. Karen had fallen and screamed my name, which now rang out loudly above the noise of the showers. Jack, what is going on? What is, uh, going, what on? is going on? What is going on? What's happening? As, as I, uh, she screamed as I heard what I can only assume to be her body drag across the muddy floor away from me. I could feel again. I was freezing cold. My injured hand could hardly move. I began to crawl forward as fast as I could manage towards the sound of her screams. They were going to find her body so that we can show them. No, I wasn't thinking straight. There wasn't going to be a body. We were going to get out of the darkness. No one was going to be lost here. I threw my body in the vague direction of her scream, reaching out as far as I could with my arm despite being unable to feel much of it. Through some stroke of good fortune, my arm slapped across her shoulder and she immediately grabbed me. I just closed my hand as tightly as I could around part of her denim jacket and I pulled her close and wrapped my legs tightly around her. She wrapped her arms around me and buried her head in my chest and her screams were only slightly muffled. I let her have that. I didn't know what else to do. I just held her as tightly as I could and looked out into the darkness. I don't know what I was looking for. Her screams eventually turned into loud sobbing as the water pressure from the shower heads audibly died down, eventually stopping completely. We lay there together in the freezing mud for a few quiet minutes, and eventually Karen's sobs quieted. 
we need to stand up, okay? I stuttered, frozen. I loosened the vice grip I had on her and stumbled to my feet. I didn't let myself lose contact with her for a moment. She rose to meet me and we as close together as possible. I certainly had no idea where we were at in relation to anything down there, and I'm sure she didn't either. We j just gotta find a wall. I locked my arm with hers and moved to my right, which was as good a place to start as any. Yeah, keep the wall on your right. Minecraft. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's played a lot of Minecraft, he knows. Oh, oh hell yeah. After about ten long shuffles, I bumped into a solid cement wall. I always got I, a bunch of torches, otherwise he's kind of fucked. <laughs> I couldn't... T Steve! It carries over. I couldn't oh yeah, shit, no, Steve died there. I couldn't tell if it was covered in ice or if I was just so numb that I couldn't feel the coarse cement. It was likely a bit of both. Karen kept her head against my shoulder. I started to feel emotional, angry that she had forced me to come back to this place, and the anger bled into sadness. She was going to have to carry this with her. I should have never let this happen. I should have stopped her and told her I made it all up. I was muttering to myself under my breath. The rusty pipes creaked around us, and with each noise I felt my stomach heave. Despite the numbness, my jaw throbbed in pain. I wanted to give up. I was so tired and so afraid. I wasn't strong enough, and I knew it. I wasn't the person who was going to save his girlfriend and come out of this a hero. I didn't even think we were going to get out at all. I was lost in thought and putting most of my weight against the wall as I moved us along. I was not expecting a sharp corner. I felt my shoulder push into suddenly empty space and I managed to get one hand onto the corner of the wall as I fell, but that did nothing when my feet gave way in the mud beneath me. I fell hard, my head bouncing off the ground with a thud. I was instantly sure I had broken some fingers on my right hand. The angles seemed completely wrong when I rubbed them against my cheek. It's just bonking his head on everything. <laughs> Shit, yeah. That's, that tetanus is the real enemy here. <laughs> I screamed mostly out of frustration, which caused Karen, now alone, somewhere in the darkness above me, to scream back. We were yelling at each other. <laughs> After a time, we were too exhausted and out of breath to continue. <laughs> I focused like three minutes. Really, like, like three hours just yelling. <laughs> I focused on my breathing and tried to bring myself back. I sat up, pushing my left hand through the icy mud to ease myself to my feet, and I felt something on the ground. It was smooth, but not like cement, like metal. It was small. I gripped it in my hand as best as I could. My legs weren't going to hold out for long. I was getting the spins, but I couldn't tell if it was from the booze, the possible concussion, or the disorienting darkness. Karen was quickly at my side. She grabbed my hands and pulled herself close to me. I'm sorry. We shouldn't have come here. I didn't believe you. She cried in quick, successive breaths. I didn't care. I didn't want an apology. I wanted to scream at her and spoon her at the same time. I wanted to be fighting with her about something stupid in my apartment, the space around us filled with a mess of conflicting emotions. I felt us shrink, but was brought suddenly back when Karen broke the silence. I love, I love the picture of a couple spooning, but also screaming at each other. Fucking hate you, shit, fuck. <laughs> Just in, in each other's ears. <laughs> oh. 
What do you have in your hand? She asked. I had managed to hold on to the object, and we both felt around it, desperately trying to get a sense of what it was, and it could have been a, a piece of one of the shower heads for all we knew, but for a second there was a hope that it was our solution. It was sort of cylindrical, it was mostly metal, it had a little clip on it, and I rolled it around in my hands, careful not to let go. It had a button. I recognized it was a little flashlight, the kind hikers fastened to their backpack. F -f flashlight I stuttered. My fingertips could feel the button, but couldn't quite press it hard enough. Help me push this switch. The light was hardly blinking. Both Karen and I prepared to shield our eyes, but were surprised by the weakness of the light that, outside of the main beam, did little to help our situation. Once our that's eyes not, had adjusted... That's not a flashlight, that's a lightsaber. Um, isn't... <laughs> didn't the teacher say something about losing a flashlight last time? Yeah, Or, di yeah, or did yeah, he? Um... Hmm, when he fell. I, now I can't remember. One of the two had a little flashlight. And uh, I feel like it got groups. lost. And this might get, be this might be the uh, the same flashlight. Yeah. Hold once on our one. eyes, yeah. Once our eyes uh, had adjusted slightly, we could see the shower heads surrounding us in a rundown and filthy room that seemed to have no exit. It looked and smelled like a pigsty. Mud and dirt covered the floors and walls. She wrapped her arms around me, and I held her against my chest. Close your eyes. Just keep them closed. I told her. The loud wailing of a doe started on my left and quickly enveloped us like it was coming from surround sound speakers that we couldn't see. And Karen covered her ears with her frozen Damn, hands. they got Dolby 7.1 in these showers? Insane. <laughs> they got the uh, THQ. The tips of her fingers... The tips of her fingers were bright red, maybe even purple. It was hard to tell from the weak light of the flashlight, but I kept the beam centered on as much as I could. I didn't care what whatever was out there could see us. The light gave us some sort of warmth, or at the very least a sense of solidity. The noise began to die down until we once again left in silence. We have to move back to the tunnel. You have to help me find it, I said, and Karen nodded tearing her face away from my chest. Her tears had frozen her cheek to my sweater. I could see a rim of ice around the red marks on her cheek. Back that way, I think. She said, pointing to our left. And the light didn't go much to... Uh, the light didn't do much to penetrate the darkness, but I trusted her. And we began to shuffle through the mud, which was now the consistency of a slushy. It had seeped into my boots, but it didn't really matter. Every inch of me was covered in rusty water and frost. A little more cold couldn't hurt. Every few steps, the flashlight would dim or flicker. I could feel Karen tense up every time I was forced to give it a shake, rolling the dice on how long it would continue to help us. And at one point, it went out completely. She dug her fingers into my side, and I shook it, and nothing happened. I hit it with the palm of my hand several times. Nothing mm. happened. Please, the please. Steps. The the dad the dad move yeah. to fix anything. I muttered under my breath as I hit the switch off and on several times in rapid succession. I couldn't let it go. It was all that we had down in those tunnels. The only thing keeping us, or maybe just me, from losing myself to the darkness. And after a few more attempts, there was light. But the light was across the room. An exposed bulb, maybe 40 feet across from us, came to life. It was dim, but it was enough to light up a significant portion of space in front of us. 
about 10 feet in front of that bulb and 30 feet from us stood the unmistakable silhouette of a buck head bent downwards to the ground it had a large set of antlers 12 points if I had to guess unable to grasp what I was seeing I let the dead flashlight fall from my hands to the ground oh, man's, man's having a wobble again weevils wobbles but they don't fall down the metal slapped against the cement and the small bit of glass cracked like a stick snapping under a boot in the forest the buck tensed up and quickly rose to attention his antlers scraped hard against the low ceiling and some of the points were grinding against it while others cracked and broke off the animal didn't seem to notice at the very least it didn't seem to care and as it turned its attention towards our general direction, Karen began to tug hard on my sweater. We have to get, get out. C keep moving. She cried quietly, and we continued down the path before us while the stag began weakly bleeding. A jolt of pain shot through my temples. The noise went on continuously. One long whine that should have been interrupted by a breath at some point, but it just kept going. There was an echo. I looked behind us as we shuffled through the darkness. I could see the glint of light reflecting off the eye of the beast. It was looking at me. It was tracking me. I turned my head and heard several other bulbs come to life at the far side of the room, and I dared not look back. A door came into view in front of us. The paint was stripped. The wood was aged and cracked from years of withering. Even still... I was able to get a sense of the brilliant red that used to cover the door. The knocker was missing a screw. The knocker was missing a screw, and it hung limply off-center. The knob still had some shine to it. I could see the reflection of the lights behind us in it as we moved closer. I went to reach my hand out to grasp the knob, but Karen had already beaten me to it. She grabbed it and twisted. The internal metal mechanism shifted loudly, quieting the bleeding of the buck in the distance, and the door cracked and creaked even as Karen peeled her hand from the ice-cold metal. The wood began to split. The cracks moved rapidly outward from the knob, crawling across the door until they reached the hinges. The door shifted, began to tip downward. It was gonna fall on us, and I didn't have the strength to stop it. It began to tilt, and I raised my hand up and shielded Karen's head while trying to move us out of the way, and fortunately caught the door on the old screws in the middle of the lower hinges. It swung around to the left right in front of us. I felt the rush of cold air as it brushed within an inch of my face and slamming awkwardly into the wall. It fell to the ground with a resounding crash. Through the doorway, I could make out familiar winding tunnels. The ceiling rose and sank like a roller coaster. This seemed to be part of some twisted design. In some places, you could find no more than three feet of clearance from top to bottom, but right now there was none. The metal sheeting that had held the earth at bay had given way. Uh -huh. This couldn't Gigi. be how we had gotten in. It certainly wasn't how we were getting out. Fuck! Yeah. I screamed exhausted my legs burned my mind was still on fire every motion I made was out of instinct because I couldn't properly process what was happening around me neither Talk of us turned full around lizard mode. <laughs> right 
We stood in front of the doorway, staring at the caved-in tunnel that had seemingly sealed our fate, and Karen tried to cry but had nothing left in her. I couldn't blame her. I grabbed her hand and held onto it tightly as more lights flickered to life behind us, and surely if we turned around we would be able to see at least another exit, but the uncertainty of what else we might see stopped us. I heard the light... Uh, I heard the hard clapping of a set of hooves on the ground somewhere behind us, and then another and another, and I saw shadows of what were unmistakably humans growing smaller as they moved towards us. It was the children. I was sure of it. Even amidst the already overwhelming stench, I could smell them. Pennies and vinegar. Yeah. Their, their robes dragged across the mud, and their hair covered them, having grown down past their knees. Karen gripped my hand back. Two shadows moved along the walls, then five, ten, and I lost count. More bulbs came to life. The front that had built up on the cement walls began to melt. Each new light source caused the shadows to fade more. There seemed to be antlers atop the heads of some of the children before they were drowned out completely by more light. The room was warming. One of them flickered just a couple of feet to my left. On my right, Karen's head turned upward. There, protruding several feet from the wall, was a shower head. It was old, rusty, and caked with frost. It looked fragile. With her free hand, she reached upwards, grabbed a hold of the pipe, and pulled downward, squeezing on my hand as if she was using me for leverage. It broke off with surprising ease. Karen pulled back into my shower. As Karen pulled back into my sh shoulder, as water sprayed into the room behind us, I could hear feet skittering through the mud and away from the jet of ice. Karen turned to face me, her eyes mostly closed, and she buried her face in my chest. She offered me the shower head, the weapon. Oh, they're pulling some Clash of the Titans shit. Oh, yeah. Rip and tear, I motherfucker. I took the rusted metal pipe in my hand, and for the first time in ages, I felt like I had a little bit of control, a choice to make. The footsteps around us grew closer, picking up speed. I fucking hate this place. <laughs> I said as I swung the pipe through the air. To my left, it smashed through the bulb with ease. Shattered glass rained onto the mud. To my surprise, the other lights in the room began to extinguish. One by one, the room fell back into darkness. I didn't know if it was better to die in the light or the dark, but at least I could go break something this way. I Why heard the. the Why the other lights go out? I'm because their feelings were hurt. Oh, okay. I heard the familiar bleeding once again alongside the dying cry of the doe. The footsteps were very close now, only feet away. I hugged Karen as tightly as I could when the last bulb went out. There we stood in the darkness once more, surrounded only by screams of creatures that we couldn't see. I finally turned my head to face the room still holding on to Karen. The bulbs had died, but the filaments still had a slight glow to them. It looked like the glow that follows a camera flash. As my eyes adjusted, I could still make out the silhouettes of the children. Some of them were no more than an arm's length away. There was a familiar anger in the air around them. They hated me as much as I feared them, and maybe it was for the same reason. 
I couldn't even guess what was going to happen once they got a hold of us, but I hoped that I would, at the very least, not be afraid anymore. The filaments in the bulbs cooled completely, and the darkness settled, and I closed my eyes. I'm sorry. I spoke into the top of Karen's head. The children were right on us. I could feel a warm breath on the back of my neck. I snapped my eyes shut, and without warning, it ceased. The moisture on my neck began to cool. Feet flew through the mud away from us. They were fleeing. The bleating and crying of the animals stopped abruptly, and in seconds the room had settled into a deathly silence. I slowly opened one eye and looked upwards, and about ten feet in front of us was a ray of bright light. It was powerful, cutting through the dark and shining straight onto Karen and I. It's uh, the deus ex machina god beam. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. made the frost on her bright red hair twinkle. I had no idea what I was looking at and briefly considered that I was wrong about religion before I heard the familiar growl of a car engine. I hope Brian crashes the car into the showers. <laughs> I hope he drives it underground. I'm here to die, fuckers. <laughs> my, eyes, <laughs> my eyes My eyes. I adjusted. get high and I drive. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I could see the light was coming from a hole in the ceiling where wooden boards had collapsed long ago. I couldn't fucking believe it. I didn't say a word as a car door slammed and Brian's voice echoed down into the hole. Hello, Hello down there. <laughs> His voice rang out, filling the room. Karen looked up and broke away from me. There was a sense of relief in her eyes that her face didn't show. She moved quickly. Brian. Her voice croaked. Brian, you get us out of this fucking hole right now and I will buy you your own grow house. Promise? Promise? <laughs> <laughs> he laughed. I assumed they could see each other now. Karen was looking up at the hole with a glare. She was bathed in light. I stood there and slowly began to move towards her, and my knee popped and my joints ached. I was dizzy and confused, but this felt real, tangible. Okay, it's not gonna be easy, yelled Brian. This rope's kinda icy, but I didn't really have another option. I'm a little high right, so it's gonna have to work. How the, how the hell did you guys get down there? Karen didn't answer as Brian dropped down an old purple climber's rope and she grabbed it and began to ascend like her life depended on it. Brian was grunting from above and jokingly commenting on how she had gained weight. She was up and out of the hole within seconds and I was left alone in the room. I looked around me. The space was smaller than it had seemed just minutes ago. The walls were cracked. The mud had mostly frozen solid. The showers were empty. You coming, Jack? Asked Brian as I finally made it under the hole. I grabbed the rope tightly and looked behind me towards the decrepit red door that now lay on the ground. In the tunnel behind, I could make out the shape of a person standing just beyond the reach of the light. I turned my back from them. Mm, why would you do that? With some help <laughs> from Brian, I pulled myself out of the hole and onto the frozen ground outside. I breathed the fresh air into my lungs. I was free of the stench of that place, but my stomach was still in knots. The moon was reflecting off of the snow and ice lighting up the clearing around us. I could see Karen pacing near the car. She was staying in front of the headlights. She stopped and fixed her vision on the edge of the trees. 
it began to sink in that she was now going to have to live with the same terror I had lived with for the rest of her life. It was always going to be my fault. I was on the verge of tears when Brian helped me to my feet. I still hadn't decompressed. My jaw was clenched shut, and I was sure that I had chipped the tooth. Every part of me was numb. My clothes were frozen to my skin. Karen began to scream. It's right there. It's right there! She yelled and pointed towards the trees as Brian dropped me and ran to her. I slumped down and stared at the ground. There was nothing to be done, and if there was, I didn't know what it was. I was as much of a mess as she was. Her cries started to blend into the background as my mind wandered back to Mr. Mays. I wondered what he would have done in this situation, but remembered that he had been in the same kind of scenario, and his solution had been to drink himself stupid. That didn't seem like, you know, a bad idea for the time being. I just needed a sip. I reached into my jacket pocket, pulled out the flask, opened it, and took a sniff. To my surprise, it burned my nostrils like gasoline, and it made me nauseous. I closed it and looked behind me at the hole in the ground. I tossed the flask down into the dark. I didn't hear it hit the bottom. Cheers. Character growth. It's happening, folks. Right it, in front of our did. eyes. It did. It happened. I stood up and walked towards Karen, whose cries were now more sporadic. She was jumping at her own shadow as a confused and stoned Brian tried to help her. Man, what is going on? Make sure the car is ready to go, I told him as I passed by without eye contact. Karen saw me coming and froze. I took her hands and held them in my own. Uh, Jack, how was it like that? How were they, how were they like that? Why was any of, oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> this, is, this is Karen. Jack, how was it like that? How, how were they like that? How was any of that? She rambled, unsure of what she had seen and what she wanted to ask, and eventually she broke down. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. She bawled and I just held her there. It was all I could do. She hit me out of frustration a few times, but I still just let her go. I didn't know how to help her, but I could just listen and be her punching back. Healthy relationships. <laughs> Hashtag. I eased her over to the... They wouldn't be here if they had a healthy relationship. No, it's very true. I fully uh, understand that your relationship is awful. I eased her over to the car and sat her in the back seat, wrapping her in as many blankets as I could and buckling her in. As I walked around to the other side of the car, I looked back at the hole in the ground one last time, and I heard voices. They were probably just in my head. Brian drove through the trees as quickly as he could. Several times he seemed to begin to question, but stopped himself. He told us how he had been in the car when he saw a light coming out of the ground and what he thought was one of us waving him over, and we didn't react. There was a weight hanging over Karen and I that he didn't want to disturb. Questions could wait. I don't even know if he ever got around to them. Karen wasn't asleep, but her eyes were closed tightly. I was buzzing as we drove anyway. It wasn't until we crossed the threshold of the tree line that I was able to loosen the vice grip I had held on the door handle. The electricity faded as the tops of the trees that surround the showers were overtaken by the stars. I felt my insides begin to relax. The dam that had been holding something inside me back finally burst, and I asked Brian to pull over. He obliged almost immediately without a word. I stumbled out of the car and began throwing up on the side of the road. 
The only thing that poured out of me was a thick, yellowish bile that hung in the back of my throat before slowly dripping down and out of my body. Thick. This <laughs> was what I deserved. Why is his bile thick? Bro, who could I think die? it's the That's shower incredible. water. I gagged and felt my eyes bulge as I purged and clawed at my stomach, sore from the continuous heaving. I clenched my fist and hit the ground, causing the wound in my knuckles to open. I had only now taken a look at my hand. The middle and the ring fingers were broken, and it looked like someone had taken a bottle opener to my nail and first knuckle. I shouldn't have left them that way, but I didn't get much of a reprieve before I had to bow again. This was the tail end of an exorcism. What felt like years worth of stress, lies, and fear violently erupted from within me until my lips numbed, my stomach slowly relaxed, and my ears loudly popped, immediately relieving some of the pressure on the inside of my skull. I felt like I was floating. I was crying and I knew why, but I couldn't quite isolate the thought. Everything was foreign. Everything in my brain was misfiring. I was rebooting. I had made it out. My man, real come to a you know road to Damascus moment for this guy. I hope he becomes religious. That, in the next that couple would of make pages. me so sad. It would be incredibly funny to me. <laughs> I sat in the back. dirt long enough that the vomit turned to slush on the ground in front of me. Brian stayed in the car and looked in the other direction. I think I even felt Karen's hand on my back at one point, but. When I was finished, she was in the car staring anywhere else but at me. I collapsed into the vehicle, shaking and soaking wet. Brian started to drive off before I'd even shut the door. I saw, <laughs> nice. I saw Karen's lip tremble several times, but she didn't say a word. I don't know how she managed that. I felt like I needed to talk about everything. I caught her looking at me only once on the drive back as we passed by the exit for Broken Bow. We forgave each other for everything that happened, though neither of us actually ever said it out loud. We didn't talk about the showers much at all. We had filled that place with what we brought there. Pain and truth about ourselves that we were using each other to hide from. The horror that we had experienced in that place was a dose of, as she had put it so many times before, perspective. It woke us up. I think we both realized painfully sobering up over the six-hour car ride back home, the two of us looking straight out of the windshield without seeing, that we were better off apart. Similar to the way she had moved into my place, we never really discussed her moving out, her things just started disappearing. We repeated the old mantra about staying friends for the next week or so, but you could practically hear it echo every time. And with a soft kiss on my cheek on a Thursday afternoon, she was gone. Karen and I couldn't work because we fit too well together. We were two <laughs> uniquely fucked up individuals with a penchant for flipping on a dime. It's easy to look back and long for those nights, cuddling and watching movies, lounging together uh, together on the couch. God damn it, he's referencing it again. I love, I love how he's like, we were just two damaged individuals doing what damaged individuals do, spooning, watching a movie on the couch. This is a rom-com. <laughs> it's a lot harder to remember reality. The night that we watched Lulin Davis and she convinced me to return to the showers, for example, was not as serene as I implied. Uh, I didn't think it was. It's rude of you as an author to make that assumption. 
I remember that I had pleased. <laughs> I remember that I had gotten extremely irritated that she had picked that movie because we had just watched it the month before and felt a deep resentment towards her that almost Jesus. pushed me to apathy. All this because of a fucking movie. And before that, Karen had called me a stupid fuckhead because I hadn't cleaned the cat's litter box. That was every night. A perfect couple and a perpetual potential domestic dispute rolled into one. Our solution was to rinse it all down and repeat. We were our own perfect enablers, and we were always heading towards the ending that we got, and Broken Bow did nothing but illuminate what was already in front of us. I really hope she's doing better now. As for me, I couldn't continue to live how I was living after Nebraska. I was so covered in dirt and blood that I was able to have one of those hard looks at yourself in the mirror moments in front of an actual mirror <laughs> and realize exactly how far I had let myself spiral down. <sighs> I, I, I wasn't just drunk or high. I, I wasn't just drunk or high, but I was both of those things because I was broken. <laughs> and needed something to fill the cracks. <laughs> Never mind. We're back. <laughs> back in it again. I wasn't just drunk or high because I Except was both I was. of those. <laughs> I couldn't use that place as an excuse anymore. I couldn't keep trying to change the story. If that sounds like it came from the mouth of a quack therapist, it's because it did. I started going to therapy once every week, initially for the drinking, but ev eventually for everything else. I'm not a religious convert <laughs> or a friend of Bill. He knew. He knew I wanted him to be. And he was like, no, fuck you, Ramsey. I'm not you. the convert. <laughs> Brian survived and fuck you. But I respect the journey and anyone willing to take it on, no matter the method needed to make it through. I you don't wish know that Mr. Brian doesn't die. We've got, we've got two what? pages left, okay? Brian still dies. I'm yeah, just, you're I, still saying in the next two I'm pages? Yeah, okay. for no reason. I guess I, I wish Mr. Mays had found a way to fight his demons before he left. I guess there are demons, really. I'll keep them for us both. But you thought he died so well. <laughs> what demons, may I this ask? This is character growth, man. On all fronts, he now realizes that was an incredibly stupid thing to yeah. say. <laughs> I'm always going to carry the showers with me. They're a part of who I am, but I don't have to let them kill me anymore. The most important concept that I have learned in these therapy sessions is that you can't get better if you just keep covering up symptoms while ignoring the real source of your unhappiness. Blowing your brain out every night with substances just puts off the inevitable confrontation. You have to treat it like a wart. You have to cut all the way down to the root and tear it out to get rid of it. To kill it, you have to get every last piece. And that is why... I came back to this forum, this account, and this story. There are so many computer. others out there who have listened to Mr. May's campfire story throughout the years and then moved on like normal people. I fixated and I spread it because I just couldn't resist. I can't unwrite my original story, so my next play is to obfuscate. I fully understand that writing this defeats that purpose. Hopefully that won't matter. There is a point to this. Do tell. Ooh. The story is yours now. Sick. I don't want it anymore. God, yes, sick, awesome. Take okay. the showers and mold them to your needs. Tell the story around a campfire. Embellish whatever you like. Put yourself in the story, or a friend, or a friend of a friend, and then use it to get laid. Well, no. Take your wildest <laughs> theories about the place and create a story all your own. 
What about the growth? <laughs> Make a movie or a book out of it. Turn it into a local urban legend in your own town. Drown my story out with uncertainty. In fact, go there. Go find them. Ask every citizen in Broken Bow, Nebraska about them until they run you out of town. Get lost on dirt roads a few miles east of the city until you stumble upon a place resembling the one I have described and then tear it apart. Bring your friends, take pictures, explore the tunnels, light a bonfire, get drunk, throw a party, and then post about it on the internet. Cover the walls in graffiti and the floors with cigarette butts, broken bottles, condom wrappers. Tell everyone you know about it and smother it. Flood the internet. This is not legal advice. Please do not actually do this. <laughs> I get what he's saying. I do get what he's no, saying in, in a way, but um, it's it's... For me, it's the power. He's trying to drain the power out of this thing that has affected him so much. By, by diffusing it. Uh, yeah. I think easier to just let, let people forget about it. But that's, you know, that's just me. Y yes. Flood the internet <laughs> with so much speculation and rampant bullshit about that place that no one will ever want to go back to Mr. Maze or me as the source. Drown us in the noise and let us fade away in peace. Go there yourself and burn it all. Just don't forget to tell everyone you know about how you did it afterwards. Ah, shit. I'm sorry, I let that go on for so long. That wasn't my intention, it's old habits and whatnot. I've been pulling from a dusty flask of whiskey that was next to my laptop in the box. I guess it counts as aged now, old Bessie. I'm not really on any wagon, and after the years of bullshit I put my body through, a few more nips aren't gonna hurt a thing. <laughs> this is just one like more for the relapse. road. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I kicked the habit. This one's different. Please don't think about it. <laughs> I'm going to post this, log out of my account, tear up the sticky note I saved with my password written on it, shutting down this laptop for what I hope to be the last time, and bury it under all the junk in my closet alongside this flask. Tomorrow I'm going to go into my classroom at the community college where I teach a creative writing course, and I'm going to tell my students one of the many versions of the showers that I have told over the years. It isn't Halloween, but maybe I'll dim the lights and light a candle or two for atmosphere. Mr. Mays would be proud. The story I tell them is not going to be my story anymore. No, I'll tell them the story of what happened to my best friend's brother's ex-girlfriend in some rural part of Pennsylvania a few years back. I'll swear it's the truth. I can't take back what I did when I posted this story for the world to see. This is my next best move. Take a page from my younger self and spread this story like I'm playing a massive game of telephone that I intentionally want to disrupt and distort. If I wasn't at the heart of it, this could even be fun. Maybe it, maybe it still will be. I gave you a story on some dark night five years ago and the only thing I'm asking in return is for you to take it from me. Make it into something scarier or more violent, more cerebral, or more personal. Give it a twist ending. My hope is that one day someone will tell me a version of my story having claimed it as theirs, with new facts, faces, and I won't even recognize it until I hear the name that now haunts other dr others' dreams instead of my own. The showers. The showers. That's when they look the directly showers. into the cameras. <laughs> The showers. Bum, bum. Title, yeah. title sequence. Music kicks in. Excellent. Evanescence um, uh, soundtrack. Oh my god. 
Wake uh, me up. Wake me up inside. Can't wake, Can't up. wake up. Um, excellent. Excellent. Okay, so <laughs> excellent. A, a, a number of things. Uh, he did do the parallel with the self-destructiveness and the and the him being led into the woods and it, it paralleling you know with his his story of addiction. So that's cool. Um, he got better at telling the story as it went along. That, that's also cool. So still some questionable parts by the end, but like mostly <laughs> much improved. I, I don't think I've ever read a story where the writing quality improves so much throughout the course of it. Um, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely feel like it's a market difference. Oh, it's, it's with each part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I thought for sure when we started reading for this episode, the, the, the tone in the beginning of the story was going to be the tone for the rest of it. And I was very excited because the, the preamble, the tone the that I went part, into was meaningless and, and full of mistakes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, the, the preamble to the second part is him being like, fuck, fuck you guys, okay? I was drunk <laughs> when I wrote it. It doesn't count. And um, here it is again. And here it is again. And so there's there's so many ways that that can go wrong. Um, but yeah, he did better this time. And I think this is, a, this is a more satisfying ending than the first episode, for sure. Like, than the first time he told told the story. Yeah, yeah so, and uh, and I, I, will, I will say that... Um, the the end the the second part is definitely better than the first. Yes, I I am. I actually disagree with what I've been hearing about this story. Is that the second part ruins it? I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that people have said that. Yeah, actually, people have said that um, the beginning of the story is good, but the ending isn't that great. Um, maybe it's because it goes from folktale urban legend B movie to like just kind of meh ending no sleep story you know just like he kind of just rambles for the for like my entire part that i just read was just one long ramble but so, your like, part but your part was full a lot with like a lot of the action and shit also the so the, the plot is better in the first one right because it's not completely derivative right the second one is literally also true like, because that is literally then it feels just more original and so. it actually carries that narrative as genuinely as it can. Whereas this one is like, you have to remember that this guy woke up like six years later and said, I want to rewrite that story. Yeah, for sure. If you, I think honestly, you could go and just read the back half of this without reading the first story. And that might be the best way to experience the story. Yeah. I mean, the, the only I, things you wouldn't understand are just the little nods to specific details, but even then it can be, uh, he pretty, he it pretty be, clearly points out when he's remembering something though. Like he's very deliberate. He's like, and this was from the, the first time. Remember. The only thing I reference <laughs> in my mind is like the scratching of the tree branches on the car door, the dull, yeah. the dull thud of with, the I wooden doors. Without that in the first one though. Yeah. It's like, so it was quite hokey. Um, the, ch no, the yeah, children I, I, in the basement are also <clears throat> they're right. <coughs> excuse me they're they're much more effective in the first part I yes. felt um, did not did not actually understand what was going on down there in, in the this in this part. Um, yeah, I think, but that's, that's a consequence of having to retell the same story, right? Like he can't, 
you can't just say that it's children. Now he's got to add a doe, and he's got to add the cave, the you know, the tunnel collapsing. Um, he's got to add light him bulbs. falling over three times and breaking eight bones, right? Uh, <laughs> just to like spice it up. But um, just the writing style is just so much more competent in this one. So yeah, De- I mean, no, even, definitely. Even, I'm just I'm just focused on the plot right now. Like for me, I'm getting strung up. Like the first one's plot is just better because when he when he realizes he's in the shit, he makes a scramble for the exit and he just gets lucky finding the door to to get out. Uh, mm-hmm. And away from the girl before the girl gets him. That's how I felt like it was implied the first time around. In yeah. this one, there are like nine situations where the children can take him and the story just keeps going. And they just they just conveniently don't talk about what the children are doing at that time f- for the story to continue. For sure. He would have been way better served, I think, in just going with one of the different images. You know, like, don't do kids again. Make it a fucking deer. Like, that would that could be very spooky. Like, a deer that's just sort of, like, molting its antlers and, and like, doesn't want you in there. Oh, like, I was you. actually into that. It's only yeah. it's only before and after that that they reference the kids, and I go, what's the fucking point of this? Right, exactly. And what is the, actually the, happening here? The water comes on all This is once. no longer scary. You're, you're, the you're, lights do a thing. You're, it's, you're muddying up your own, like, creepy, unknown, like, subtext. It really, it reads as though there's a guy in a back room with like six levers and one of the levers is like light thing. And he pulls that. All right. Of you're, 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 you're so, so, uh, here's, here's a recommendation, Ramses. Um, have you seen cube? No, but I know that the third cube movie is called cubed. Yeah. Uh, wait. Um, yeah, it is. Pretty, it's it's cube, yeah, three sure cubed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But I haven't seen any of them, though. I, I have no idea what they're about. <sighs> um, <laughs> very quickly. Um, but just okay. because I drew a lot of parallels to that story in this one, except cube is like masterclass storytelling. Um, I hear it's good, yeah. Canadian indie horror film, um, and it's only as horrifying as the human uh, range spectrum of emotions can be horrifying. Um Okay. And uh, these these like six people wake up in a room and there's a door on the ceiling, a door on the floor and a door on each of the walls. So you're in a cube. You're in six, six walls with doors on each side. You can go up. You can go down. You can go left, right. You know, what have you? North, north, south, east, west. Um, if you choose the wrong room, the room will fucking murder you. Uh, there are traps Um, the people come together to learn that by like throwing their shoes into the room beforehand, it might trigger a trap. So they, you know, they have extra shoes. They, they start to problem solve their ways out of this situation. Right. Mm -hmm. When I think about that movie and those sequences and how those people think, I think it's a fairly accurate adaptation of someone being somewhere completely unknown, trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. The recollection is easy, but but the ulterior motives of the plot aren't showing themselves. They they write off the why they're there as like a line. The guy just the guy says something at some point like. This is this is how the world works. He sums it up this way. 
I design something on a piece of paper, it gets given to someone else, someone else turns it into a mold that gets sent to someone else, that person turns it into a schematic that gets sent to someone else, that person turns it into an actual testing prototype, it gets sent to someone else and it becomes an actual thing. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, and at some point uh, the, the, the cube just has to exist because people made it exist. Is, is is how he explains how this huge fucking object could possibly exist. You know, hundreds of rooms, mm-hmm. hundreds of traps. Like and that. he and he literally explains it away with like a line about human error. And it is it is artful and it is fantastic. And and the first one is great. But well, let sure. me tell yeah. you let me tell you what the third one does. It fucking explains it. There is oh. someone behind the scenes like the Wizard With of the fucking levers. Oz who is Hell pulling yeah. levers and looking through cameras and trapping them and doing shit. And it's political and it's Hell religious. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is mind blowing how the first movie is this fantastic uh, just parade of existentialism makes its way on film. And then you get the third one, which just normalizes the fuck out of it. Yeah. That's the showers. It's, 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 yeah, it's the same, it's the same issue, which is that like, it's, it's a person taking an an abstract idea, which for, uh, you know, reasons is horrifying. And then Mm -hmm. it's explaining why it's horrifying to you. And I'm like, go, you don't have to do that. Like, I get it. It is a large cube that is structurally complex and it exists because of like humans built it. Okay, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me that it represents like a human institution. I could figure that out thinking about it a little bit longer. That's a cool little parallel. <laughs> then, you know, then it's a fun like little lens with which to view the rest of the story. But the moment you say you say it out loud, it just becomes less interesting. There's less to Abs- think about it. Absolutely. Um, because Absolutely. then, it fla- it, you know, it flattens the entire um, experience. Of it makes the entire subject uh, one point, just just uh, two dimensional, just absolutely everything yeah. that it's that not the stereotype polyvalent. Yeah, no, it's it's a <laughs> it's it's just really strange uh, how not not strange. I totally understand why writers do it, um, but it's frustrating to see someone do like execute a, a story idea pretty well and then immediately handicap it by telling you what they just did. Huh. <laughs> Somet- sometimes so, ve- the only reason I say that is because funny. that's literally like Reddit no sleep, you know, yes, like, so know. much of what we've read on this show is like, and then it happened and it happened yeah. <laughs> and this and is like, how it I, happened. I think sometimes you can, you can do that to like great comedic, or just sort of like emotional effect. Or even just, just ham it up to 9,000 and absolutely bury yourself in the satire of the material. Yeah, you know? exactly. You uh, know? This is not that. But we thought that that, there, that might have been the case with the showers for a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million ways this could have gone much worse. I think, honestly, the way that it progressed was best case scenario for the story. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. This could have been really this could have been really awful. If you really um, think, if you think about how many different ways that narrative could have actually gone, like what we got sure. was, was not bad at all. Um, I enjoyed reading it. 
there was definitely I, some issues, but like I enjoyed reading it. I do want a world where he tries to rewrite the story, but he's still just as bad at writing as he was the first time. Oh fuck! Because I think I think that would have been spectacularly funny. But what if know, we'll just, we'll just what if the third one is just like <laughs> the showers part? Literally, Return of the Jedi. Like it's just old man Jack by himself. It's like an A twenty four art house flick. It's the and last season of Samurai Jack. There isn't right. It, there's not a single line <laughs> of dialogue. I cannot die. He gets in his car. We're watching an old man in a car. He's driving. He's driving. It's days. He stops by certain places and stares at them for just a little too long, like the convenience store. Um, as he drives down, you know, he gets to some dirt paths. His his face changes. Uh, he gets to a point in the night where the stars come out and the, the trees start to lay down those shadows with the branches stretching just a little too far. You know, he finds himself at that same clearing in the same woods, comes out, opens up the fucking cellar doors, walks on down, fade he to reveal- black. <laughs> oh, I was, was going to go with like, he reveals the pelican case he's been carrying with him inside. 30 claymores that he <laughs> stole from a nearby military base. And that's Baraska. That's Baraska for you. Uh, sad, sad times. Oh, I can't wait for the showers part three. When it, when it, when it gets written in 15 years and it's a, like a joycey and nightmare of a story that like you, you need fucking three dictionaries just to get through. Please bring me back. Oh uh, shit. Uh, if if we are if we are still doing the sh- the show in fifteen years, you will absolutely <laughs> still be a part of it. Yeah, um, like after after the climate disasters have destroyed all the humans on Earth, this man is going to be like, wait, I didn't tell this story well enough, and he's gonna. He's gonna I now gonna, understand what the heart of the showers truly is. He's gonna sit down at his laptop, which mysteriously he still has and works. But the first thing enough. he says when he sits down and he goes, "I know the last couple stories didn't have the right grammatical spacing or editing, <laughs> but fuck it, let me let me start the story off strong by saying I never wrote the showers for sex. I've never had sex with anyone ever before in my life. The showers has never gotten me laid. I just thought it was a fun story, okay." He comes at it and he's like trying to get himself uncancelled. He's like, some people have been saying that I was pretty misogynistic in the second part of the story. <laughs> and I just want to clarify. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh no. no. He's gonna be one of those free st- free speech is dead guys. He's like, well, you can't silence my story. <laughs> I'm telling it again. <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh. I'm I, I like that. God damn. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's been a journey, man. And I appreciate you joining me. I'm, I'm so glad that we got to share this experience together. Um, Absolutely. I'll have to have you back again soon. Um, we'll do something quick and stupid so that it won't it won't feel like we just walked across Middle Earth and laid ourselves in Mountain Doom. Hey, man, whatever the whatever the pace, let me know. I'm, I'm down for anything. <laughs> we're doing a marathon and maybe not a whole book oh if you, if you I, change we've, the we've done the, the scary the stories your, to tell in the dark books over a couple episodes if you change the focus of your podcast slightly to just reading bad books i have a very good bad book but um i don't have any horror um <laughs> oh, i have a story that i wrote actually um if you'd ever want to read that but that's about the only thing that i can contribute besides is my, it horror yeah 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 
I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> I, I wrote one horror story ever, and then that, that's probably the only one that I'll ever. Well, write. then we're reading it on your next episode. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Just remind me before we read a stupid fuck story about showers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you this had to happen. He had to tell a story. Okay? We, we All right. Yeah, Inevitable. that's true. This 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 <laughs> this stood out to you like a beacon of hope. Um, yeah, I'm going to throw up and turn my life around. <laughs> I need to throw up first, though. Uh, this has been Ramsey's Vanderslice and Captain Death reading the showers. Um, thank you so much for listening. Ramsey's any final messages? Um, I just want to tell everyone, stay safe out there. Be good, boys and girls, um, and don't uh, get in trouble with the law if you can help it. <laughs> I mean, wise I, wise words. I mean, yeah, not not yeah, bad know, just, advice generally. Just 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 some general advice. I'm not uh, commenting on the justness of the laws. I'm just saying, uh, stay safe, be good, um, keep, stay out of trouble. Right, and and I'm gonna follow that up with by saying. Uh, f- fuck the police. Uh, yes. Smoke, smoke some ganja right in front of a cop and say, "What? What are you gonna do, pig?" And just see, and just see what happens. Eat because, ass, uh, go fast. <laughs> because uh, thoughts, twats, and prayers. Uh, we uh, we we know uh that that's the experience that you that you get when you uh, when you listen to our show. Lots of pasta. <laughs> so Absolutely. uh, so die drinking is, like a man. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna become an alcoholic now. <laughs> I'm only just, I'm just having this last sip. Pour around for a home. Land until we stand at the shore.